Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing the NRL tour. And we are back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And I'm joined by a very, very sickly sounding Brock. And I'm hopefully not going to get it off you because I've already had it once this year already. Mm. Yeah, no, not feeling the best. <laughs> not feeling the best at the moment. But, but this is your commitment to the fans of the show? Well, I'm just battling away as I would. I'm not sweating, but I'm... I'm not feeling great. Oh, Brocky, I think the best way for you to get over it would to be to go to the GP, mate. Like, mm. I just... Don't yell at me because you're sick, Kenty. Like, just go mm. sort it out, OK? But yeah, no. He's here for us. You're battling on, champ. I've been um, at footy all day today and then footy tonight, so... Yeah, well, Love a life. Had a couple of weeks off, but it's all back on now, isn't it? A lot of the school footy's firing up, so... It's all happening. Yep. Well, we'll kick things off as we always do with our set of six. And this week it is brought to you by Nepean Boltmaster. Nepean Boltmaster is your complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith. And they've also got another one at Seven Hills. They cover more than 1,500 square meters. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products known in the region, but throughout the state. But there's a lot more to Nepean Boltmaster than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, handing cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides total need sourcing packages for all trades associated with the construction and engineering and all industry segments. www.nepbolt.com.au. Thanks to Woz and the boys there. And Tackle One, uh, Brock, is the Cowboys to me. They need a revamp. The time's come. Uh, I'd basically be willing to say that the season's done for them. Yeah. A couple of guys are going to play Origin. That's not going to help them any more than the situation they're already in. And in particular, the last few years and a lot of the years we spoke about their backline, especially and said that they haven't been the most dynamic or fast backline, but they've been defensively sound and they've been pretty good in yardage. That even the other night, watching Winnerstein at the back end of that run, he almost ran out of gas. I know Kane Lynette's not there, but coming off that injury, he's older now as well. And uh, Justin O'Neill, for a bloke that played Origin and for Australia the other night, was absolutely diabolical. Um, there's also a couple of forwards there that are getting to the back end. And I, I think just in general, I don't think Paul Green has really made them all accountable. It seems like a pretty comfortable setup because they've all been there for a while. There's no real threat of being dropped. So I think something's got to change there. And in, in the next few weeks, uh, I had a quick look through. I mentioned last week, Anari Tuwala, kid from their 20s, who's played a couple of games. I think he has to play. I think Jarvid Bowen has to play more football. Mosby. Uh, I think Mosby might be injured at the moment. I didn't see his name on any of the Queensland Cup list, but there's a couple of names there. And then Francis Molo, we all know, the uh, the man that was involved in that unfortunate shoulder-charging incident the other year that yeah. led to a player um, 
actually passing away, but he was a, a big name, obviously, coming to the juniors at the Broncos, and he's there as well. So I, I don't know what it's going to take, but I think there's a couple of names or a couple of fresh faces that need to be put in. Something's got to change. Yeah, definitely. I went to Leichhardt. Great night. Um, but it's a game. If the Cowboys of old would have won that game quite comfortably, they um, were fortunate. I guess the Ursan Masters missed the first two goals for West. I think they went down 8-6 um, at half time, but... They had plenty of chances, and you know the Tigers are a good side, but Cowboys full strength um, with all the weapons that they've got should be beating them regardless of whether it's at Leichhardt or not. So I agree with what you said. They they look very very stale. They they look they look as though most teams know what's coming, and so it's either time for a severe revamp in terms of the way they play, or like you say, from a bigger picture point of view, that they need to overhaul their whole roster because it, things look pretty stale. I think naturally you're going to see a change in their play next year when Thurston goes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I tend to agree. I, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for them to make the finals. I don't think it's impossible, but you know, if we're talking odds, you'd say, you know, probably nine out of 10 times they're in this position. They're not going to make the finals. Um, yeah. We might see that one time, but I, I highly doubt it. And you know, you've got to look at what you're seeing on the field. You've got to use your eyes and watch them and you can't judge them and, preempt that they're going to play like they did last year because they've shown absolutely zero signs that that's going to happen. Yeah, and there's a few other guys there by natural attrition. Again, they the old saying, you get older overnight. Um, well, you don't. I'm, you don't, I'm, but people do a lot of video in the six months of the off-season. Yeah, I get that too, but th- there is there is some older legs there as well. I'm not saying they're completely done yet, but Matt Scott as well, I'm pretty sure this will be his last season. I think Gavin Cooper has got another year maybe to run as well, but all these guys... Uh, over the next couple of years need to be cycled out. And they're going to have to get on the market similar to what they did for a McLean. Uh, they've got a couple of kids in their system, but I don't know of so many in the forwards. I think Emre Pere is a young back rower or a front rower slash player, but he's playing bench in the New South Wales Cup. So his progression, probably the one thing they do have too many of at the moment is halves. They've obviously got Tamari Martin, who doesn't fit in with the halves they've got. And you'd think naturally with Thurston moving on, he'd get a crack at that. But they've also got on top of that the young kid, Jake Clifford, mm-hmm. who was the 20s player of the year last year. He's been killing New South Wales Cup. He's in the top try scorers list. He's in the top point scorers list, and he's been in the reserve the last few weeks. So right now, along with Morgan, him, Hess, Tom Malolo, and a couple of spots there, I think, in the back line and a few spots in the forwards, though, there's going to have to be some turnover at some point. Yeah. Um, and that time's coming very soon. And, and the other one for me is Jake Granville, and I know he's dictated to a lot of what happens in front of him, but he still doesn't look as sharp or, you know, a, a, a just as vigorous and keen as he used to be. He, he seems like he's going through the motions, and even his service watching that uh, against the Tigers you know, was pretty ordinary. So yeah. there's a few things there that do concern me. But it's on Paul Green now to make some changes, either to this attack or to some of the players, like you've said. Tackle two. Uh, there's been a lot of people, including Greg Alexander, for one yesterday, and I think Mark Gaznia said it as well, claiming that this Souths team is better than the 2014 side. And there's a fair few of them that are actually from that 2014 side still there. Uh, but what would you say? Would you look at this side and think that they're on par, if not better, than the one that won the comp in 2014? Difficult to know. Similar. They're fairly similar side. Different style of game, I guess, in 2014. The one hole for me was they really didn't replace Isaac Luke. And then Damian Cook has now filled that void. I think they've had a revamp in the terms of the way they're playing, similar to what we just said the Cowboys need. And they're defending very well. I, I think they're a top four side. Whether they can win the competition this year, I'm not too sure. But why not? It's it's pretty unpredictable 
state of play at the moment. And there's not definitely not one team who I think is dominant. You know, the last few years it's been Melbourne and the Roosters who have looked the dominant sides, but there's no real one standout, is there? I mean, Dragons on form, but South sort of flushed that down the toilet on the weekend. So they played them twice now, South, and they could have beaten them twice. Yep, I'd agree there. I had a quick look at it. Um, some of the back line, obviously Inglis and Johnston were there. Uh, the other members that weren't there were Takiri, Walker, and Orva. But you swap in there, uh, obviously Gagai, Campbell, Graham uh, into that back line. Johnson Inglis is still there, uh, and I'm forgetting one other player. I guess off the top of my head, mm, I can't think of the other one. Is off uh, Johnson, uh, Heimel Hunt, and Ken are obviously playing there. So I think the back line's on par. If you look at the halves, you're basically swapping Kiri for Walker. Both yeah. attacking players, very similar. Not the greatest defensively, but they're both spark plugs. Hard to separate those two. <coughs> Although I'm a massive fan of Cody Walker. The back row of the forward pack is pretty similar in the fact you've got the twins there. I think the big difference is the back row spot of Teo compared to a Crichton. Crichton obviously probably brings a little more finesse to his game, but Teo at that stage was the enforcer for their side. Yeah. So that is the big one. And the benches I looked at, and again, hard to separate, but realistically at that point, they had Jason Clark, who's still there now, one of the Burgess brothers who's still there now. The big difference is they had Kyle Turner and Chris McQueen, who at that point in time was an origin player. And you're looking at the bench now, Junior Totola, Cam Murray, Dwayhe this week, or Nichols. I'd probably say the bench might be a little bit stronger there, but you're looking at the upside of the current bench if you want to go player for player. Yeah. Um, but the big one for me was exactly what you just said. Looking at the grand final side, they obviously played with Coruscant, but it was Luke for Cook. And they do have that guy now there that, like Luke, plays off the back of a big forward pack. And my big thing coming to this year, obviously, with Souths was I question the Twins and said that both edges are outstanding, which they are. Both halves are very, very good. Gun centers, gun back rowers. The fullback's going to grow. The nine's there. The big question is, can they get the job done in the middle? And both the twins so far have answered the call along with their brother, and they've been even better when Sam hasn't been there. The real question is, can they keep it going for the whole year? Correct. And my other question is, why hasn't it been there the last couple of years? Because they were outstanding in 14 and got me so excited. And then they just hit this flat spot. I don't know if it was comfort or the contract situation or the Maguire. I don't know what it is. But they seem to have that fire back this year, and it's good to see. Revamped. And new I coach, hope... new structure, new outlook. Yeah, and I'd have to say the biggest difference in comparing them, which I found hard, <laughs> different style of football still in 2014, and still big on the wrestle, structure, etc. If these two played each other, it'd be a, a very, very difficult game if you cloned the two because they're trying to achieve different goals. Well, they're never going to, so I don't have to worry about it. Exactly. <clears throat> tackle three, uh, the wishbone tackle that resulted in Cameron Smith. Getting suspended, obviously a bit of a divided, a divided opinion. A lot of players, including Paul Gallen and uh, many others I've heard, say once they saw it, they didn't have a big problem with it and thought it was just a tackle going wrong. Gus Gould and a lot of other commentators reckon they should have come down harder to stop tackles like this happening. Uh, Shout they should have come down harder on Smith. Should have come down harder on that tackle in general <laughs> and, and all people to try and stamp it out of the game. But I'm going to take a step back. Obviously, being a Melbourne person... Probably going to seem biased regardless of what opinion I have, even though I do not like those kinds of tackles. I think it was a tackle just gone wrong. Yeah. But you tell me. You're the outsider in this situation. Well, what do you think? Firstly, there's been a lot of commentators say that that's a tackle that happens 10 or 20 times in a game, which is bullshit because it doesn't. The difference in that tackle and the ones that you see where a leg is lifted is that both legs were lifted. There were two players on a leg each. <clears throat> For me... It was just a, an uncommon tackle, one that you don't see very often. There wasn't a lot of talk in that tackle, obviously, because if there was, the Melbourne players would have communicated that, you know, I've got whatever leg and we're going to move this way. You know, that's what happens with your tackle technique, as you know. 
and as those people who coach and are involved in the game know. Um, so for me, do I do I think he should have been cited? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe a grade one. I think grade two is a little bit harsh. I don't think there was any malice in it in the, or intent to hurt. I think it's it was a tackle that went wrong. If it's something that um, they're worried about, I don't know why they would be worried about it because it's not something like a chicken wing, chicken wing or a grapple that were just rampant when that was happening. They were happening all the time. This one's one out of the blue. Um, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction from the NRL to, to charge him with a grade two. But, you know, he's, he's taken the punishment, uh, accepted it. He's going to have a week off. So I just don't wouldn't like to see someone miss a, a big game through something so innocuous. Um, and Kevin Proctor, after the game, said he, he'll be playing next week. Yeah, he's you know, been he obviously had a, a bit of a pop um, there because, he, you know, his leg was, was lifted in a way that was unnatural to a normal movement of a rugby league player. But have a look at that tackle closely. Don't listen to the experts or so-called experts because that tackle wasn't common. It doesn't happen in every game. Um, there's one or two things that happen when both legs are lifted. Either the guy... Well, firstly, you don't have control of that tackle because if you've got one leg and I've got the other, there's absolutely zero control in that tackle. So, and that that's just very rare that that happens. It either either happens that two players lift the legs, and he, that's where players end up on their head or in a really dangerous position. Yeah. Um, or you end up in that position where one guy's going one way and one guy's going the other way. So. My, yeah, I, and look, watching the game live, I didn't think there was a lot in it. So. Nah, and again, I've I've had a couple of looks at it because when it live it happened, I was a little bit worried, and I'm not a fan of it. And again, as someone who's had leg injuries, and I don't like the wrestle myself, which probably seems but funny. It's not a wrestle; it's a tackle. Yeah, I know, but people getting in, getting the numbers, getting your limbs. Like when it goes wrong and when it's miscommunicated, it can get ugly. But again, it's been targeted. Oh, it's Melbourne, it's Smith. He gets around everything. Uh, I have no problem with the charge happening because it did end up bad and a player got injured. I'm with you. I thought it should have been a grade one. And again, I'm a Melbourne fan, but in watching the replay, I have to agree with some of the players that are coming out and defending him in, in the sense that Curtis Scott started up high with Munster. So they were both up top. The problem is on the other side of the tackle, when Smith lifts that leg to try and rotate him, at the same time, Scott has worked his way down from the upper to the lower part of the leg yeah. and chopped that other leg out. So I think it's ended up worse uh, for that reason, I'm not going to defend the tackle. I still think it was ugly and he pulled it out. But slow motion always makes it look a lot worse than fast. If you watch it in fast, it's pretty hard to uh, absorb it. But I'm happy that happy for him to be charged. I just think grade two was a little bit rough, that's all. Yeah, um, I agree. Not a big fan of those kind of tackles. Uh, point four, a very simple one. Don't need to say a lot more. But Sean Fenson is the toughest son of a bitch in the NRL. He's pretty tough. Uh, this is a bloke that has been knocked out numerous times, plays well above his weight, absolutely trains the house down. You wouldn't meet a more genuine and better bloke. Devastating when he broke his leg in the grand final last year. Fights his way back into the side again this year. All effort the other night. He's one of the only guys I think that could have held his head up high. That try, people were giving Thurston, uh, you know, pats on the back. Oh, what a great kick he met that kick. Bullshit. It was a shit kick. It had a bad bounce. Uh, the fullback and winger miscommunicated. The only reason that turned into a positive play is because Sean Fenson pushed through. Mm. Uh, this is a guy that the other year that broke his arm the day before at training in Canberra, rocked up, did weights, and was like, oh, yeah, my arm hurts a little bit, Sorry. but I think I'm fine. They scan him, broken arm. Tough and crazy. Uh, elbow pops out the other night. They put it straight back in. He refuses to come off, tells the trainer he's all good. Sits yeah. on the bench, doesn't go back in, still wants to go back on the field. That's a bloke, again, when we talk about effort, intent, um, the will and the want to play NRL when you see guys that are, are talented. And we've said this a million times in the show and I just want to give him credit again. The most talented guys a lot of the time don't get through 
it's the guys that work hard, bust their asses, probably not the most skillful, not the biggest. And there's no better example of where hard work gets you than Sean Fenton. Mm. But again, the other night, I think just an example of how hard that bloke is. Yep, fair. Uh, number five, and this one, again, probably more up your alley. This one to me kind of bothered me last week. Garth Brennan and just the way he's handling things and the credibility of some of his comments. I thought it was going to be tackle one. This was, you know, first of, first and foremost, he got under my bonnet with the Jared Wallace comments and they've ended up folding anyway and signing him for roughly 600, 625 happy, a year. I'm but happy with that much. I'm happy with that before. too. But he comes out and says, well, we don't want people who want to be here for the money. Well, what the fuck do you think Shannon Boyd's coming for? What do you, what think, do you think all no, players no, are coming for? Stop. What, what do you think any player goes for? Exactly. Every player goes for money. But that's the most that's hypocritical the comment. Just, oh, well, if Jared it's doesn't want to be here. It's just ill-advised and stupid. And then the other one is last week he's backing up Mick Innes and he's best mates with everybody about the Bryce Carton. Right, be comments, and then he kind of backflips on a little bit and defends him, but now he's dropped him this week as well. So Dropped him altogether? Yeah. And at the end of the day, my other one as well, uh, is all these comments in the papers and from all the journos and everyone saying, oh, Gus sold him a dead horse. That's bullshit as well. It's his decision. He, he, he called. Wasn't he wanted him. He wanted him and they were happy to accommodate him. The, my issue as well is he didn't even negotiate with Penrith to pick up the deal with them paying some freight. He was happy to get a mutual release with Cartwright and Penrith to pick up the deal and basically give them the same contract again, which they've done. This is on him and this could define his stint at the Gold Coast. And his tenure and whether he lasts. Yeah, well, he wanted to handcuff himself to it. And Latu as well. He picked up that contract. There's two contracts. Penrith for saying thank you. And they've moved on from. So yeah. um, some stuff yeah, early I, on and future-proofing I, and talking about the one bloke well, hasn't they should have been keeping. Because to future-proof us would be not to go and sign dead shits from other clubs. So... I don't know. It seems to me like you wanted to you wanted to sign pretty much that reserve grade side from Penrith and think that that was going to you know climb you up the table. Ill advised. The Bryce Cartwright signing. You know my thoughts on it. Everyone, all our listeners know it. My thoughts on it. We've gone from Dave Taylor to Jared Hayne to now Bryce Cartwright. Um, it's just been a shit signing fiesta on the Gold Coast, well, pretty much. It's, again, and, and to be fair, that's through three different coaches. John Cartwright was responsible for Dave Taylor. The board, uh, was, the board was responsible for Jared Neil Hayne. Henry. Neil Henry got the ass though. Um, and obviously, Garth is responsible for Bryce. Well, you know, the, the, the most hypocritical one they give this the, shits well, again. What's, what's, hypocritical? what's hypocritical is it? Go work on your Elgy. defense. He drops Kane LG. He missed eight tackles. Cartwright then comes out, misses eight tackles against the Raiders. And then missed the effort. That, that one on the weekend. Munster. Where? Um, it's inexcusable. He should have been hooked after that. He should not be paid for that game. Um, well, he's been dropped this way. And Let's... look to me, it's sort of a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, you know, we should let Bryce go away and you know let him get his head right and let him get his fitness right and let him get all this stuff right, mate. What fuck? What have, what else have you got to do during the week? You're a professional footballer. You've got one job. Your job is to prepare to be ready for whatever time your game kicks off. You know, people in the real world will not cop those excuses. Because they've got kids, they've got jobs, they've got responsibilities that they need to do. And that doesn't go away regardless of effort. It, you have to do it. Yeah. Eff, effort isn't a question for those things. They're non-negotiables. And for Bryce Cartwright, he's got two non-negotiables when he's on, on the football field. You need to make an effort when you've got the ball and you need to make an effort when you don't have the ball. It's not hard. Um, and there's, there's zero excuses. So for the people out there making excuses for him, wanting to pat him on the ass and hope that he somehow... Uh, rekindles the flame and delivers that form that we saw in 2015, wake up to yourselves because it's not going to happen. And 
the worst thing you can do in a salary cap era is sign players on potential. And Garth Brennan went out there and staked his reputation by signing Bryce Cartwright on potential, on the potential that he would turn around and I can player. turn him around that. I've well, had him bullshit. in cup. I've had because him in twenties. You've had him in cup. Okay, you had him in cup. He's playing against inferior opposition. Yeah, same with twenties. This isn't cup. This is the NRL. This is the premier rugby league competition in the world. And you are at a club that have been the bottom four side for the last five to six years. You don't click your fingers and have one player come and he may perform. Yep. That's not how you climb a, t- a, a side up the table. And Garth Brennan should do some listening to the the interview with Ivan Cleary on NRL 360 last night if he wants to know how to climb a team up the ladder because Ivan's done it in less than a year with the Tigers. Yep, and he's done it some simple, simple philosophies and not making excuses for players and, and buying players that he knows are going to give him value. 100% every week. Yep, and um, value too. And he doesn't tie himself in long-term unless he's certain. The like. other thing is there... Bryce Cartwright is not a Gold Coast junior. He's not a Gold Coast junior. People would cop Kane Elgy playing poorly and giving him some time. People on the Gold Coast would cop that. I'd cop that as a Gold Coast fan because I've never, ever once questioned Kane Elgy's effort. Bryce Cartwright's come to the club from Penrith. Garth has bought him there. It looks like teacher's pet, teacher and, and that's student. The other that's thing I was about like. to get at. So, it'll, it'll turn into a Haynes situation quicker if he keeps getting the whole group's defended. going to turn off, yeah. off him. So and, I, I don't know. And look, he's sending mixed messages through the media and then behind yeah. the scenes, there must be two messages happening because he can't come out and defend Cartwright and then drop him. Yeah. I, I don't care. And the, the end of this... It's a, it's an absolute tie fire already. And how many rounds in are we? Ten rounds yeah. in. And he's already fucked the joint. The end of this for me basically is Garth Brennan, stop getting in front of a microphone. That's my big thing. Just shut e- up. Every week it's this and shut that up. and whatever. Like last week for me... For him to, to agree with Michael Ennis was disgusting. Yeah. was absolutely disgusting. He threw Bryce Cartwright under the bus. Mm. I'm not defending Bryce Cartwright. No. But as a coach, he never come out and throw players under the bus in front of the media. It looked to me as though he, all he was doing was trying to protect his own grass, yeah. his own patch. Oh, I'll agree with Mick because he's right and yada, yada, yada. But well, at no. End of, end of the day, they like Defend said. your player publicly. Like, he's the one who signed him. John so. Cartwright came out and defended him, and I get that. Like, yeah. it's family. It's his family. Blood. And look, I didn't agree with... You know, Mick Ennis doesn't have a responsibility to ring Bryce Cartwright. No. Um, He's getting paid I, I, for I comments. Don't know. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that, look, I don't agree with everything Mick Ennis says either, but no. at least he's got the balls to come out and call it how it is. And then how many people jumping on the back of it, like we said? Yeah, how, that's how, right. many years? how about you be the person that actually says it? We're, we're only a small little outlet here, and we've got our listeners and our fan base. You know, we're no Fox Sports, but we're always critical here and honest on our opinions. And again, nothing's personal, everything's football. But these guys refuse to do it because, oh, they're ex-players and, oh, it's a fraternity kind of thing. As soon as one steps out there, a bit like Ryan Girdler last year, he was the first one to question Griffin and the whole setup there like we had for a long time. As yeah. soon as one person does it, they all jump on board. Yeah. So I think, yeah, and end of this point mainly for me is Garth Brennan, when a microphone's in front of you, stop talking because mm-hmm. right now you're not helping. That should be a low-key rebuild. Churn along regardless of how the results go on, developing your players, your Brimsons, these kind of guys you're bringing in, going out trying to identify more talent. Building up the Gold Coast Juniors, uh, Moiyaku Fotueka, who's been good the first two weeks. That's the kind of stuff you should be doing. Keep it on the low down. Stop buying Hollywood on it, right? No more microphone. Stay away. Stop talking. Yep. And the last one, probably the biggest point uh, of the day, and just before we, we've retired, obviously this afternoon, Cameron Smith, immediate retirement from yeah, Queensland. One. Kangaroos. Has he made a public comment? Yep, I watched it. He basically said that last year was the first time he felt 
the mental burden, the physical burden, and so worn, yeah. couldn't back up for the storm. And I think the only other part I kind of took out of it was, well, after the World Cup, I kind of got the feeling when me and you were there and he was speaking, he was going to retire. Well, why didn't he just do it then? Yeah, but he didn't. Know. But I'm looking at it now going, well, has he thought, I'll wait and see how I feel when it yeah. rolls around? But I don't know why you wouldn't have done it last year, and I agree with you because well, he won the Daly M. Yeah, well, he won the Daly M. He won the comp. He won another series, like 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 11, or whatever it has been. He's been there since 2003. He's the most capped player, <laughs> seven men of the matches behind uh, Wally Lewis. He's the second highest capped kangaroo captain. He's won two World Cups. Like Last year was the Grand Slam. He got all of it. Yeah. Um, and I've got my own inkling. People are coming out saying, oh, the writing's on the wall. He can see that this year the Blues are locked and loaded. Well, you know, we, no, have that's to, rubbish. we have to pick the right side first before anyone can come out and say that. They beat us last year with seven debutants. Yeah. So we can't really talk. We have no right to talk. I look at it more this way, and I read it last week, and I'm not going to draw too many lines to it, but I heard that he wants to extend with Melbourne, and they come to the table saying, all right, we'll talk about a year. I got the mail or the talk that he wants three more seasons. Mm-hmm. So I get the feeling as much as he's saying maybe that hasn't played a big part, but he does that. He does want to... Fir- said, well, to give you three more, mate, you need to be playing exclusively for us. Yeah, and I think he's, again... Looked at the whole situation and maybe sat down and thought, well, if he's going to get paid well again, which he will, and he wants to have that longevity, he's going to have to contribute himself solely to yeah. Melbourne. Uh, my only question there is, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, I'd, I'd love to have him for as long as possible. I don't know how long Brandon Smith's going to be willing to wait. Um, oh, I think Brandon Smith will end up playing a lot. I was about to say, the only other way I can see it happening is exactly what you said. If Fanukin and him kind of working together or Fanukin moves into a tight role, which he already does and anyway. I think he'll probably end up sharing time with Smith as so, well. So. Yeah, I, I don't know what the transition is. But that's the only thing I looked out of today that I, I drew into. But basically he was saying, you know, those camps are 10 days, 42 games. That's 420 days. So a lot of time away from family, all these tours. Strange timing, yes. Um, but... I more take it that maybe he wasn't willing to pull the trigger after the World Cup and wanted to see if he was up for it. Kev Walters even said when he spoke to him, he didn't feel that he seemed as enthusiastic. So the decision's come now. It's strange. It hurts Queensland massively. Um, And I think the only other question we have to come out of it is who's going to play number nine. I come out today and said McCulloch. And a lot of of people are like, oh, what about Friend or Granville? I'm like, well, Granville's not even on the radar of playing the way he's been playing. And Friend this year has been, you know, murmured or that he was fighting with Radley for Christ's sake. So the most informal, the most solid of the options for Queensland right now is definitely McCulloch. McCulloch. The big question would be the Australian jersey. Do you think that a McInnes or a Cook, depending on who plays for New South Wales, could possibly... Whoever is the best nine during State of Origin? Because that's now the big one. Should get that jersey. So... That yeah. should be a jersey that's one through origin. And that's still dividing a lot of people who's going to be the New South Wales nine. For us, it's McInnes. I know a lot of people were saying the other day, oh, Cook outplayed him, etc. No, I'd I, pick both of them. I still that. think the attributes of McInnes probably suit origin more so, and I don't like to pick on that side of things. They're both playing great. They, they really are. But, um, yeah, ma- massive retirement. But uh, what about his contribution to rep football? He's been outstanding. Yeah. So kudos to Cameron Smith. Uh, now we move on to our power rankings brought to you by... Penrith Solar Centre. They say defence is the best offence, so what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialists. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving back control of your bills. 
Let the sun work for your home and your back pocket. Save thousands per year. It may be the difference between good or great seats watching your team in the NRL Grand Final. Contact Penrith Solar Centre on 1800-2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season or check out their website, www.penrithsolar.com.au. We've had a couple of uh, people from the show, I'm sure, inquire or messages. So if you want to get in touch with the boys there, make sure you mention the podcast. Let Jake and the boys there at Penrith Solar sort you out. But power rankings, Brock, uh, any changes for you this week? We'll have uh, to wait few. and see. But number one. We've got the Dragons still. Yep, I've still got the Dragons. I can't believe after the game, <coughs> people saying, oh, have the wheels fallen off? They're 8-2 for Christ's sake. Well, people are going to ask that because they fell off last year. I get so. that, but it's, it's... But again, people dealing in last year. We just deal with this yep. year. At the moment, they look super. Yep. Uh, number two. The Rabbitohs. Wow. I've got the Panthers, and Rabbitohs. that's because they've fought through all these injuries. Cleary's coming back. I know there's a couple of guys that won't be back this year, but they keep defying uh, regardless of who's in their side. Uh, number three. I've got the Storm. I've dropped the Storm back. I've bumped the Rabbitohs up. Yep. Um, Rabbitohs just impressed me more this weekend and that's what I'm going off So, yep. well number three for me is still the storm I wasn't very impressed on the weekend I think we're missing Jesse Bromwich badly um, and obviously losing Smith for one week's not going to help but I have full confidence in Brandon Smith Yeah. number four I've got the Panthers yep. well that's where I've got Souths bumped up to this week they've climbed from the bottom half of mine uh, to fifth to fourth so they're slowly getting up there I think for me, it's just still a little bit looking at those middles week to week. Sam getting himself suspended a couple of times. And I guess the other part of it is the disappointing game against the Broncos still kind of sits in my mind. So if they can string a couple more together here, there's no reason why they wouldn't go up. But they look a fantastic side. Yeah. Uh, number five. Got the Roosters. I bumped them wow. up. Um, they've strung a few good performances together now. So um, I like the way things are moving there for the Roosters. They, they seem to have a little bit more... I guess ghetto in them and a bit of roughness in them on the weekend, which I like. Mm-hmm. I think they played a little bit too passive for the first couple of months of footy and they really went after and there was a few melees in that game and they physically went after the Warriors. I think that's when the Roosters play their best footy is when they're trying to intimidate other sides. Yep. So I like that about their footy on the weekend. Well, you're probably not going to like mine. And again, I'm not as ruthless as you, but I've got the Warriors at five. I think missing Luke. Yeah. Didn't help. Sean Johnson didn't help. I think that was their worst game as far as they've been high high completing side very early on. They've had the best completion rate in the comp. They've had the best set starts. And on the weekend, I think that was a bit like the Melbourne game. It, it didn't start well. It didn't finish well. Yeah. They couldn't hold the football. I, I think they contributed a lot to the Roosters. Man. Not taking away from the Roosters, but I yeah. think the Warriors were that good. Well, so. I've got the Warriors at six. And my massive concern is they've lost three games and two of them have been absolute blowouts. blowouts. Yeah. So okay, I'm with you. That's my concern with the Warriors. I've got them at six. Yep. Number six, I've got the Tigers. And again, regardless of uh, how things are going, some of those players batting above, they've got a fantastic coach. I think Luke Brooks has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, And again, I say it every week, set starts and yardage is important. And I think they're close to, if not as good as the Warriors. And they've got a different kind of size back line. They've got that short, stockier build. But Isar Masters, I've said it before, to me is one of the premier centers in the comp. Not for Luma's yardage rate. Mahe Fanua, who's come back much better from his experience in the Super League. Corey Thompson as well. Um, they're, they're punching well above. Yeah. And until they go on another one of these streaks or just completely fall apart, I can't take them out for now. No. I, I think they, And they can play football. They play football. Yeah. Number seven. I've got the Tigers at seven. All right. I love the Tigers. I, I really like what I saw from them the other night. I think they're a clear top eight side. Yep. 
I've got the Sharks, and again, it's because they just keep getting it done ugly. Uh, yeah. They refuse to go away. Andrew Fafita, regardless of what you think of him, has grown another leg despite all the shit to start the year with the, oh, I'll tell you on my podcast and I'm retiring from this and whatever, whatever you think about him. But uh, he's still good football. His football speaks for itself and he's grown another leg. He's been outstanding. He's a clown. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's not, not a bloke who I'd want dating my daughter. But No. Um, his football's outstanding. Yeah, he's. you can only judge him on... Uh, uh, you know, his footballing ability. And again, they just find a way to win. And they come into this game, Gallon pulls out, Bakuya pulls out, Wade Graham's not yeah. there, Louis not there, changes again in the spine. Jack Williams on debut. Brandon New- Braden Newell, he's only playing like his third NRL game and they beat Canberra in a game that at halftime looks like it's gone. Yeah. They will. They just fight everyone for every little piece of the game, the Sharks. So yeah. can't well, take them um, out. I've got them at eight. So yeah. that, and that's, that is the top eight. Yeah. Like I've got it in a different order to where it sits in terms of the power rankings, but... I think that has been the best eight team so far. I think the top eight is spot on at the moment. I'd agree with you. Yeah, I I look from the Broncos, you know, Broncos, Knights, Raiders are probably the three there that could you could put in your power rankings, but they've all been too inconsistent. Yeah. So you sorry, mate, who have you got at eight? I've got the Roosters and again. Uh yeah, and again you've got the it, eight just it, in a different order. It's been up and down for me. And I was really impressed on the weekend, but still I want to see it strung together. They go week on, week off, and all the wins have generally been ugly besides the Newcastle one. Mm. And I wasn't going to try and draw some scientific theory, but the two good wins they've had so far, funnily enough, were in wet weather where the other team was nullified and it turned into a rough game. But what I don't get is every other week I'm questioning why the middle won't play hard and why they won't get into a dogfight. The two times they've played in the wet and they've had to turn it into a dogfight, they've done it really, really well. Yeah. Jared Rio, Napa on the weekend, the intent of those guys. Tokiaho has missed a consistency. Ferguson, same deal. Regardless of what you think of the bloke, his yardage work and his football this year has been outstanding. It's a huge game from this weekend. Um, against, yeah, um, massive. Against but I, I just want to see a couple in a row because... That, 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 that is the one thing we haven't got this year. We, yeah. there's, there's been two good wins. They've both been wet weather, um, but I haven't seen a week-to-week growth or consistency. It's on, off, on, off. I want to see the Roosters string a couple together. So I'm not completely sold, but there's no doubt about it. If they get it right, they're a premiership threat massively. Yeah. We, we're just waiting. I just want to see a little bit more. That's all. There's a few good games coming up this weekend as well. Like you've got Penrith and the Tigers, the Broncos and the Roosters. So there's a few there that are going to change our power rankings, I guess. Yep. Uh, all righty then. So there you go. Power rankings, thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. The set of six, thanks to Nepean Boltmaster. We'll jump in and review the games from the weekend. Thanks to pokerdeluxe.com.au. The footy season is about to start, and if you're part of a sports team and you're looking for a fundraising idea or any other sports club, look no further, because with over 10 years of experience, Poker Deluxe are the industry leaders in fundraising for sporting clubs. Paul and Adam and the boys are very passionate about what they do and committed to raising much-needed funds for the clubs. Their fundraiser comes with a whopping $1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum. They also provide all the equipment. Hosts are on the night and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on a committee or involved, get in touch with the boys at Poker Deluxe. See how they can guarantee your club the $1,000 profit to date. They have fundraised over $1.5 million to sporting clubs. So they are the people you need to think about first. And if you mention the podcast, you get $100 off the cost of that fundraiser. So make sure you mention the fifth and last if you're there with a sporting club looking for a fundraiser. Get that profit guarantee. www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. Shout out to Paul and Adam. Massive rugby league fans and supporters of the game. Uh, Game reviews, Boxhead. The first time we got here, Tigers, Cowboys. You went to this one at Leichhardt. Uh, 20-12 The Cowboys were ordinary I thought the first 10-15 to 15 minutes That game looked like it was going to be a bit of a contest It flowed back and forth But the error in the first set Kind of gave me a bad feeling about how the night was going to go Yeah 
They've yeah, just, they just look like a stale loaf of bread. Yeah, they never looked likely after that. Isan's um, <clears throat> goal kicking obviously helped. He was none from three because they obviously scored out wide every single time. But we said it every week, and I'll say it again. The Cowboys, nothing's changed. It looks stale. It looks like th- positions aren't under threat. A couple of guys look like whether they're trying or not. Uh, there just seems to be a little bit of a lack of intent, and I don't know if that is a comfort thing because a lot hasn't changed over a long period of time. Yeah. Those few pieces that come back in haven't slotted in quite as much as they are. And again, I know Paul Green has signed a contract and they've all got massive wraps, but I question what he's been doing. I question him just throwing the keys at Thurston and not really trying to maybe give a little bit more to, say, a Michael Morgan like we talked about or giving him that control. He seems to be a, a passive guy as well and happy to take a back seat to Thurston. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's challenged Green. I think there's a lot of things he hasn't really challenged or shaken up, and I think it needs to happen now. All in all, and you'd probably agree with me here, I'm watching and it's basically block-block or a shift play off Thurston or a double handle to give it to a back rower, slow play the ball. As soon as they get a slow play the ball, they give it to Tamalolo trying to look for a fast one. Three or four blokes ground him, slow play the ball, and they just block-block to another side again. It's the same bullshit over and over again, and it doesn't work. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. They didn't try to offload. They didn't well, try to break the things down. They did the same thing they last year, and it's just not working. So they need to move away and... Think about what the other the opposition is looking at on video and instead of just keep giving them the same information to go off and the same structures and the same boring shit, yep. come up with something new. And the effort's coming from a couple of guys I wouldn't have expected. Like I think Ben Hampton's been one of their best players this year yep. in the outside backs. He was outstanding again the other night, I thought. I think Martin's little spurts off the bench. He's looked sharp and he just looks like he's trying to earn a spot or keep his spot in the side and... Uh, you know, like a guy like Fenson when he came on, he made that play where that ball bounced. I, I didn't think much of that kick, and I know on TV they were giving Thurston the pat on the back. I just thought it was a bit of an ordinary kick in the bounce. Got the fullback and uh, winger off guard there, and Fenson made the play. He's the one who made that play. and Probably reflects on their night, the fact that their two tries came off an effort play and a bad bounce, and the other one came off a kick deflection where Winnerstein barely got home. Other than that, they just looked completely impotent. The Tigers, on the other hand, uh, pumped him to the middle, Set starts, Maher Fenua in particular, he was man of the match. He was absolutely outstanding. Zelezniak, Masters, they all benefited running off the back of the quick play of the balls he gave them, as did the forward pack. Packer back with Madalino, they were outstanding. And Luke Brooks um, has just been awesome since he's been paired up with Benji Marshall and had a forward pack that's been pushing forward for him. Uh, and, and they really, really did a job, I thought, on the Cowboys' right edge, their left-hand side attack. They went after it, and they constantly found a bit of love down that edge. Yeah, they did. I, I thought the two most influential players in the game were Madalino and Packer. There was this massive difference watching the game live when they came onto the field. They just punched through the Cowboys um, and just gave the Tigers ruck speed and momentum that um, I guess the Cowboys just weren't able to stop. I thought that when, when they were off the field, the Cowboys probably looked the most likely side but they just had an inability to execute and score points. So, you know, Russell Packer in particular is so important to the Tigers and their success this year, I think. They're going to keep him fitting on the field. Yeah. Uh, On the Cowboys side of things, I said in particular that back line's looking a bit old and stale and while they've been good in the past, especially helping out in yardage, I think there needs to be some changes. And Justin O'Neill was absolutely dreadful and... He's off contract this year. I don't think they're going to be keeping him unless it's for a significantly less figure. Antonio Winnerstein's off contract. Kane Lynette's off contract. So basically all those older outside backs. And uh, Lachlan Coote, who's been there for a couple of years, he looks like he's on the outer from all things we're hearing. But surely they're devastated or giving themselves a triple right now that they let Callum Ponga go. Yep. That's, uh, that's going to prove to be a fatal blow, I think, moving forward. Yep. 
Um, but this weekend, I looked at the extended bench, Jarvis Bowen, Anare Tuawa, Francis Molo. Three of those changes that I've kind of touted look like they're all possibilities. So early in the week, obviously, the first two players that get cut, you're going to see if a couple of those guys are possibly going to get a game. But it really wouldn't surprise me if Anare Tuawa gets a jersey. He couldn't do much more. Last week, he scored a hat-trick in Queensland Cup. And Justin O'Neill was dreadful. So whether it's him... I know Winterstein scored and had a pretty solid game the other night, but he still looks injured and a bit slower. The transition's going to have to come at some point. Uh, why not start now? Yeah. There you go. Uh, Penrith-Newcastle. This game, I think Penrith just started off pretty ruthlessly. They kept rolling. They had possession. Merrin, good effort. Last week, busted his finger through the skin. Dislocated, had it put back in, stitched up. He played. Uh, Campbell, <laughs> Campbell Gillard, I thought, had another good game. But early on, I think, possession and just their forward pack getting over the top of Newcastle. Kick out again, just the physicality, the play, the balls, the offloads. Um, they're up 12 new early just through that weight of possession, I think. But Newcastle, to their credit, as they have done all year, they fight back. But they're a young side, and it seems every time they come back into a game, uh, an error or a penalty or something silly happens. And a 12-point turnaround came with Connor Watson. First, he grabbed the player and the play the ball, which cost him the Safidi try. And then when he made that break, he threw the poor pass, which then leads to Peachy taking it the other way, um, cleaning up the ball and giving it to Zelezniak to score that try. And second half, I kind of felt Penner flatten out a little bit. And that, again, that happens when you've got a bunch of rookies playing in your side and guys that are uh, you know, having to live up to a higher expectation at this point in time, given all the injuries. But people question the Maloney field goal. I thought that was the perfect play for the time. They were down there. He gave them that two-score buffer. They got back into the arm wrestle, and then they found a couple of late tries. And probably the most disappointing part for me there was the kick that Maloney put in for Harawira and Ira. Ross was there on the outside, didn't even contest the ball or, or try to make the effort to touch him. And you really felt from there that was it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a game I thought that Newcastle were in, but they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. There was a period of play there where they busted Penrith through, uh, busted Penrith open, got through, pass was not executed, Penrith pick it up, go the other way and score. Yeah, that was uh, the Zalesnout Watson play. It was just a, yeah, it was one of those nights for Newcastle, one of those nights. But Penrith, they're thereabouts, they hang around, they're playing to their strengths. I don't think their goal on defence is that great. Um, they leak points pretty easily. But again, we spoke about that last week because they've got a lack of combination. Yeah. And they've got so many changes. So defensively, they're struggling a little bit, but... Um, Newcastle have only got themselves to blame here, and Penrith um, were fantastic, led by the man, as you said, James Maloney, again. Yeah, he was outstanding. I thought he had a really, really good game. Sione Katawa uh, this year has grown another leg. I thought in the past, I question more his skill and composure to play nine. He, he's a bit thuggish. He's a bit rough. He, he gives away a penalty. He plays a bit too hard, but I think he's matured a lot this year, and that transition, when I thought letting rain go was a bad idea, looks like it's going to be a lot more comfortable because his tempo, his pace of play, the way he gets out from dummy half and puts the forwards over the advantage line, plus the threat to run really suits that young, aggressive pack that they've got coming through. So um, I think that's one real massive upside. And the swap between him and Wallace is working really, really well at the moment. But Merrin as well, he's taken to a duck to water playing that front row position. Things are a lot less complicated. I think he's playing more up to his price tag now. Uh, Campbell Gillard, etc. kick out. Peachy's been outstanding as well, we might have to say, since he's been at six. He's outstanding. Yeah. Um, I know losing him, they've got a lot of guys to replace him and it's a salary cap juggle, but I, I think a lot of Panther fans would be Devo that he is leaving though. On the Newcastle side of things, I know we say it every week, but Callum Ponga, <laughs> I, I think he's got to play Origin. I think he'll find his way in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and the other one Where for me, him, every single week, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, he's been outstanding and he's growing in a league. He's a real 
emerging player. Barnett, since he's gone back to the edge, has been better. And one player I know a lot of people lay into, I think he's been playing well, is Aiden Guerra. I think Aiden Guerra, since he's been there, I, I think he's just one of those guys that people don't like for some reason. Regardless of what he does, though, he's playing terrible. He's been defending great. He's getting into doing the tough stuff. He's helping out those young blokes. And I think since he's moved back to lock especially, yeah. um, he's just getting to a lot of work. So I think he's been pretty good since he's been up there. But as Nathan Brown said, a lot of those other younger guys are going to start elevating and help out Ponga, Fitzgibbon, etc. So they need a bit more from who's around them. Uh, dogs, eels, what would you expect from 15th versus 16th? I thought the erratic start, the game was end-end, and I was quite entertained to start off with. But then the back end of it, it was just two teams that were completely impotent and struggled to score points. And uh, early on, kind of had a good vibe when the eels had the quick one-two and punched holes in them after going down 8-0 to the Bulldogs. They had some love on that left edge. Gutherson linking up with Bevan French and vice versa, coming off the back of Takarengi, who uh, had a strong game, good carry. One of the offloads for one of those tries was an absolute corker, but um, they just went back to good old Parramatta. The attack struggled. Uh, the go-forward struggled for a little bit there, some of the intent. They couldn't find points inside 20. They got frustrated, and then at the end of the day, of all the people, and I felt bad for him, Gutherson, just needs to jump on that ball or pick it up, has the big air swing and Adam Elliott scores and that proves the icebreaker. But the other thing that proved the icebreaker, and we said this the other week, some teams are on and off with the penalty goals. Some teams don't take them and then others, especially the Dragons, are just they take any points they can get. And the Bulldogs decided on the weekend, obviously, they haven't been attacking that well. They're going to take all the penalty goals they get and those four penalty goals proved to be pretty handy. Yeah, they were. Absolutely. This was, it was a stinker of a game. The way the game was decided was a stinker of a result. You know, Gutherson fumbles it and Adam Elliott comes on and dies on it. Um, they're two teams really struggling offensively, struggling to hold the ball, struggling to get any momentum in games. It's just a really, really hard game to watch this one. Yep. And for the two fan bases, particularly for the Eels, you know, the year that promised so much, yep. I think is now, like the Cowboys, all but over. Well, I think the one upside for them is they've got a chance to kind of flip some squad and have some changes if need be, whereas the Bulldogs, you, you've got to worry, as we've said, moving forward because their salary cap's in such bad shape. They're trying to sell potentially Mo Zimbai or David Clemmer or someone of a decent ilk just to free up enough money to buy a couple of cheapies to be able to have a, a squad next year. Yeah. So I feel awful for their side of things. And Dean Pays, obviously, like I said, copped it on the chin and wanted to take the job regardless. So I hope they give him the time to see things through because I think they're playing for him and we say it every week. I think the intent's there, but the situation he's been handed is diabolical. Um, I thought Clamour, again, like I said, out of those two, him and Woods, he's at least having a red-hot crack, I think. I think Woods is still not up the par. I think the Morrises are going to find it hard to find a club that will take both of them, but I think they're playing good football. Uh, and the Renoff Tuamaga, finally happy to see him get a game. And Reese Martin, who debuted last week, I thought he was solid again. Yeah, so. he was. He's good again. Uh, on the Eels side of things, Manu Mahu is probably the only one I can't question every week. I think he's been great. I think Penny Terrapo has been good with his stint since he's got back in. But, yeah, a couple of those forwards, like we said, genuine props. Uh, they need to go looking for one of them. They need to get a genuine number nine into that club. And, yeah, there's probably a few guys there that probably won't be there next year, I don't think. Yeah. Um, after this week, that. I think it's finally... Making a few more changes and maybe accepting things. Murata Niakore, who's a young bloke they got from the Warriors, plays back row centre. He's a pretty big lad. He's getting a debut. So I think now he's going to start looking at a few of those fringe guys and try to figure out, you know, uh, what he's got there. Yeah. Uh, what do we got? Roosters 32 0 over the Warriors. And like I said, this was the Warriors' worst effort besides the Melbourne game. But in particular, they've had the highest completion rate in the comp and they've been one of the best set starters besides the Tigers. They gave themselves no chance early on. 
all the possession, all the ball inside their half. They kept making errors. No Johnson, no Luke, obviously, early on made them lose a bit of direction. But the first half, they couldn't have given the Roosters any more ball. And it took the Roosters almost 20 minutes to warm up and figure out how to get over the line. But once they did, they got a couple quick back-to-back and they picked them up on the edges. Yeah, they just blew blew the doors off them. Similar to what uh, the Storm did a few weeks ago. Concerning signs for the Warriors, for me, the last month of football hasn't been great. So... Are the wheels falling off? You know, people are going to ask questions about the Dragons. I think the one team that I'm looking at at the moment going, well, is was the Warriors, I guess, start to the season too good to be true? Because since Anzac Day, that question has come into, well, that statement and that philosophy and that idea and that belief that we had, I guess, has come into massive question with these two results. I still think banking the <laughs> early wins like they have, though, will get benefit it. them during origin it and a matter. final spot. You more get to so. the finals, are they really going to be a threat? I get that. And the side you looked at in the first eight weeks or seven weeks, you would have said, yeah, definitely. But at the moment, they've gone back to their old ways. They've had a flogging, a good result, and then another flogging. So they've gone back to the chalk and cheese sort of I consistency s- that we saw out of them over the last few years. Still feel like they need to have all their players on the field. I know Penrith and a lot of other teams haven't had them, but in particular, spine players. Um, you know, having Luke in, out, in, out, and Johnson in, out, in, out. Uh, I go back to what I said before about people, uh, Paul Kent in particular, who we're massive fans of, saying Mason Leno is better than Johnson or they'd be better off without him. I disagree. And again, uh, I know it wasn't his fault it's on the weekend. A few weeks in a row. And they didn't hold the football, but again, like week to week when he's in there, I still think they're better side with Johnson and obviously Luke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no excuse for their errors, their set starts. I think one of the only guys that could hold their head high out of that game was Roger Tuivasa-Sheck for them. Yeah. He was brilliant. His yardage rate was outstanding. But like I said before, I thought the Roosters were they were more ruthless, super aggressive. Yeah, which is what I liked. So Jared had one of his best games this year. He was great. Napa was much better. <laughs> Tokiaho, uh, ever consistent. Five line breaks to zero, which shows, again, they were a little more creative or found a bit more fluency, I guess, through the halves and Tedesco, who, again, three games in a row, 200-plus metres. He still had a couple of errors, still trying to gel in there, but the effort's there. There's no doubt about that. And um, I think the only concern for me is still 13 penalties and 12 errors by the Roosters. Yeah. So they're still trying to clean that side of things up. And the, the penalties, I don't think, will ever go because of the way they're so aggressive and the way they defend inside 20, but the errors still have to go down. Their completion rate is always 70 or below, it seems, every single week, so... Uh, particularly with a, a cronk in your side, that needs to get better. Yeah. But the Warriors, uh, only one forward over 100 metres, and they were flat out trying to hold the ball or get any flow in that game. So flush that one and move on, I guess. Storm versus Titans, 28-14. This was an awful game of football. Uh, I thought it was terrible. I thought Melbourne were disrespectful. They scored early, and then I thought they just kind of thought they were going to run away with it, and they didn't. I thought the Titans came after them. I uh, thought they were very unlucky, and I'm willing to say that the result would have been different if you didn't have a million guys get injured or HIA and end up with basically no bench. I disagree. Titans are bad. They were bad in this game, and I, I don't see where it turns around for this side in the short term because they he refuses to pick Kane LG. Has he picked him this week? Who did uh, he no, he's no. still got AJ Brimson, who I thought was Brimson, pretty steady. Yeah, was okay. I thought Brimson was okay, but that's a decision they're going to have to make moving forward. Uh, they Ash put, Taylor to me only wants to play 20 metres of the field. The 20 when we're in good ball. Yep, and Mostly he looks great in good ball. But, he has yeah. limited involvement anywhere else on the field. The forwards aren't really going forward. We missed Jai Arrow. Um, this is a foregone conclusion. Melbourne are going to win this game the whole way along. Yeah, well, I think despite things being poor and two costly errors leading to tries the other way, when Billy threw... He had some very poor passes and erratic play. And I thought Melbourne were very... 
uh, unsteady, very unstable, very panicky early on. Tried to push the envelope a little bit too much, but back into the game, the blowout, like I said, it obviously doesn't help when you've got no one on your bench. You guys fatigued fairly easily after that point in time. And, um, you know, Nelson and a couple of those bigger boys kind of rolled through the middle. I think the only things I really take out of this, and I've already said it, Munster is definitely playing Origin again and is a quality number six. Addo Carr, if he's not getting a New South Wales jersey, I'm not here. And Felice Cafusi, I don't think he could have done much more since he's been back to solidify that he's going to be playing back row for Queensland. Yeah. He was outstanding. And uh, Brandon Smith runs harder than all our forwards. Brandon Smith is a pocket rocket. He is, a great, he is everything you want and more mentality-wise and physicality-wise in a player. Mm. And again, I've said it to everyone. When, he, when Smith retires, Cameron Smith this is, you're never going to ever be able to replace him. But Brandon Smith is a completely different kind of player, more like an Isaac Luke as far as his attitude and his running. But he honestly thinks he's 120 kilos, that bloke. And I love him. He's outstanding. Yeah. So uh, average weight for Melbourne. Let's and leave this shit house game on. Move on from that one. But Manly against the Broncos. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. The Broncos have just got it all wrong. Oh, I can't work the Broncos out. Whenever I say hot, cold, hot, cold, bad, they go good. Whenever I say they're going good, they go bad. So I don't know. I can't work it out. Oh. But <clears throat> it's as simple as their forwards aren't really going forward, and they they don't have a half. They don't have a controlling half. Well, their forwards are doing what I basically said at the start. Of no, the year. I think Corey Oates is doing the job of their forwards. I, I think some they've got good young forwards which I brought up, but you're not going to get consistency over 26 rounds out of Sewer no, Lodge Haas who got injured again, but made that massive play after he popped the shoulder. Uh, there's some good young forwards there, Pungai Jr., but they're all 20, 21, 22, 23. They're not going to lead the way. In spurts, in games like the Cowboys one or the South one the other week, they have won them a game when they've got on a roll and given opportunities to their halves. But the problem with their halves is they can't build pressure. They can't manufacture tries. They can't manufacture points. It's individual brilliance, like the Milford play off that kick, and that doesn't happen often enough because you can't rely on these young forwards <laughs> to dominate games week in, week out. They didn't get a genuine number seven. They overpaid for Jack Bird, and they've put themselves in a shit situation by tying themselves to him, Darius Boyd, Thayday, and letting a guy like Hunt go for Bird with now next year. They're trying to sign Lodge, but there's team circling. Jaden Sewer's getting half-million-dollar offers from South Sydney and other clubs that are trying to bring him in, and Tavita Pungai Jr., even though he wants to stay, is getting huge offers from elsewhere. So Wayne Bennett's kind of cocked up the half situation, and now he's got a bunch of these gun forwards coming off contract and all these clubs hanging around. And Payne Haas is another one. Regardless of, again, we say Payne for potential, whether they agree with it or not, clubs are going to come for him. Yeah. And they already are similar deals, talking five or six clubs with $400,000, $500,000 offers. So um, he really just, plain and simple, excuse my French, fucked up with the recruitment, the way he's handled um, spending the salary cap. Yep. And That's I said it last right, week, yeah. again, Dargan or Murphy, <laughs> I haven't seen enough of the Queensland Cup. Anyone out there is watching it, we don't get enough of it down here in New South Wales. If one of those two is doing a good enough job controlling things and guiding a side, which I saw Dargan do in the 20s, if you brought him up there for a reason and he's healthy right now, Nick Arima to me moves back to that bench utility role. Milford plays six and you get a controlling seven in. Whether he's young or not, I think you need a seven in. You need someone who's got a good kicking game, who can control things around and just let Milford pick his moments yeah. um, at the bare minimum. But Manly, I'll, I'll give a wrap to. Five bad weeks. Um, I think the effort's been there the last couple of weeks, but in particular the other night, the front row, again, uh, Jake Trebojevic, along with Tapper, Adam Fanua Blake. The ruck spread in the middle, they dominated. Api Korosau had a field day on the back of it. Jake was absolutely exceptional. Tom had a better game despite a couple of errors, but he simplified things and just ran the football. And uh, on the back of that, as you do when you get pull in the middle, 
Broncos had to compress. They had space on the edges, and the benefactors of that um, were obviously Lane and Thompson, who I think both grabbed meat pies or set them up as well. So mm. uh, all round, I thought Manly were the better side. They deserve to win, no doubt. Yep. So they scored 38 odd points, I think, in this game. So yep. It's a lot of points to pump out. Yep. Uh, South versus the Dragons, 24 to 10. South were exceptional, and probably more credit to give to them is the fact they had less possession for the game. Uh, early on, they scored on that dominant left-hand side and then their right side now. It's starting to come together that Reynolds has played some games. Crichton's getting used to, I guess, that finger and uh, playing on that edge as well. They're very well balanced and more particularly the middle. It's doing what we asked for, asked of it. The Twins have been outstanding. Totola's doing a job off the bench. Sam's in there as well and Cook's the benefactor off the back of all that. Johnston's growing and their goal line defense is probably the biggest thing to be impressed with out of this game. They turned the Dragons away time after time and you can't say the Dragons packed into a good job because they did. They outgained them. They had more post-contact meters. They created offloads. They threw a lot at them. But I think the Dragons looked a bit flat. Hunt had his worst game. He obviously had that injury, but he made four or five errors. Went up off the back of that. Didn't have his best game. And I think Dufty, as I've said before, if you pressure the middle and get up uh, and get them playing sideways, Dufty gets exposed because he can't be physical. He needs space to run out to play forward. Otherwise, he hesitates a bit. He crabs across the field, and he's pretty easy to shut down. The two standouts for me for the Dragons despite the pack I thought playing quite well, were Tyson Frizzell, he was exceptional. And I thought Lafay in some of his carries with his footwork, his yardage work, I thought he was brilliant as well. But full credit to South. Uh, can't wrap him enough in particular on their goal line defense and just turn him away all day despite being on the downside of the possession. No, oh, they were exceptional, South. So thoroughly deserved their win. <clears throat> St. George, I highlighted it last week. I thought it may have been a week where they dipped a little bit. They went from... Anzac Day into a big home game against the Storm and they're a little bit off their game, the Dragons, but I think it's as simple as South Middle won the day, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And then South goal line defence, the like I yeah. said, with all the possession, yeah. they kept turning them away. Um, yeah. And the first half particularly, it was almost, I think it was like 65-35 after they scored those first two tries and they just refused to let them in. Yeah. So massive effort by South Sydney and they look the real deal. They do look the real deal. And they look if they stay healthy, yeah, they're definitely probably pushing for top four. Last game of the round, Cronulla versus Canberra. Uh, this was a weird game to be honest, and I thought this was going back to early Canberra. I thought they blew this game to be this honest. This is a classic Canberra. Yeah. This was Canberra one oh one for the first few weeks. Started off uh, Holmes makes that error. They score through Kotrick and then not long after that, good response by Holmes. And strange for me that Jack Whiten was the hardest chase on that kick because there was nobody at home. And then when he found a crease through the line, Shannon Boyd, Papali, some of the bigger boys didn't tie back in. So he had a clear passage to run the other way. Mm. Um, Blake Austin's try later on in the half was outstanding off Papali that night short ball. And that came on the back of Canberra just getting possession, rolling upfield. And I thought that was going to be the case in the second half. But Austin goes off. I thought he fractured his leg or had syndesmosis. I think he's been named to play this week. So that'd be amazing because the way his leg came out of that, I, I thought he was gone. Yeah. But the second half, it was typical Canberra. Couldn't completely... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Their sets couldn't get out of yardage. Just they kept shooting themselves in the foot. The Sharks did what the Sharks do best. 
They just ground that one out. They made it ugly. They scrapped for everything. Andrew Fafita was exceptional in the middle of the field. I thought the debutante too, who was a camera junior, Jack Williams, had a great game. Yeah. thought he was very strong. And um, everybody that filled in, uh, even Yapolos, all these guys the last couple of weeks, they've done a job for the Sharks, which is all that matters. And Seguiaro came on late, and I thought he might have been the villain when he tried to throw that pass to Milka Penley and couldn't hit a man from a metre away. But he ends up being a hero when he takes that intercept and sends Holmes the other way, who... <clears throat> Also, on the back of Fafita, he had a huge game. 300-plus metres, a couple of tries. He looked a lot better at fullback. Yeah, Fafita was huge in this game. Yeah. Um, it's one that the Raiders gave away, but Sharks were good enough to hang around and be in it and steal it. But it's a game the Raiders definitely should have won at home, Sunday Arvo. Yeah, <clears throat> one that Ricky Stewart would be scratching his head on. Yeah. Uh, I feel a little bit... I, well, not a little bit. I, I feel sorry for Blake Austin. I can't believe he didn't take that deal when it's on the I table. I feel sorry for him at all. He needs to give himself a triple, but I feel sorry for him that he's trying to back himself to earn a contract and they've pulled an offer and now he's got injured. I hope it's not for too long. Oh. Um, but, they're the, you know, they're the risk you take. That's, that's the way things work out, I guess. And I've got to say that Josh Papali has responded very well, much like Austin, who's been good the last few weeks since he's dropping. Origins around the corner. I think he'll definitely find himself uh, in an Origin jersey because he's been pretty good. And Rapana, as he always has been the last couple of years, but again on the weekend, I thought he was exceptional. So uh, Canberra have to rue that one, I guess, unfortunately. But yeah, there you go. Game reviews done. We'll jump into some fan questions now. And uh, the Pro Sports Syndicate, Brock. For anybody out there, you obviously know the offer there. They're on our charity bet account, so we we've got to thank them for coming on board. There, it's been a hard start to the season for anyone who's been tipping, but they're beginning to find form in a big way. And on the weekend, uh, all those line bets that you usually go for, mm. they hit on every single one of them. So yeah. if there's ever a time to get on board, it's this week to get on board with the Pro Sports Syndicate. They have the Roosters, uh, plus two, which obviously covered. They had the Rabbitohs, plus five and a half, who covered it, and they took the Sharks to cover. So all three of their big lines uh, covered. They had a profit of $927 for a week, and their NRL package is now in the green. So they're basically up to 4% for the year. So you're starting to see a return on your profit margin. They had 19 bets on the weekend, and they had a profit of 60%. Well, there you go. So if you didn't get on early, probably a good time to get on right now. Yeah. They've so, had their little losing streak. Now it looks like they're going to get on a winning streak, the boys. They outlaid three grand, so they're obviously betting in a lot of bigger units. Than, yeah, well, uh, you could say, for example, you outlay 300. Yep. And they, they, get they got back seventeen seventy six, so sixty percent return on top. So yeah. if you outlaid three hundred, sixty percent of that would basically be saying one hundred and fifty plus a little bit extra. So right. yeah, they're hitting <clears> a big one. Yeah, and uh, I think on their actual run sheet, when I looked at it, and they sent through their bets, they had something like nineteen bets for the weekend. I think fourteen of them hit. There you go. So that's not just lines; that's try scores, meters, uh, all sorts of things like that. So. They took a handicap in a couple of games, and uh, we'll talk about those when we get to our betting segment. But if there's a time to get on board, $99 for your first month, that's half price. If you don't get a return profit margin for that month, you get your next month for free, the Pro Sports Syndicate. Make sure uh, you look at that link when you jump on our page. But fan questions, Boxhead, uh, kicking off. Cameron Smith retiring from Origin. Someone's brought that up. We've already talked about it. It hurts massively. I think McCulloch's the replacement. Um, I think he should have done it early, but I guess he mustn't have been clear in his head after that win whether he wanted to or not. <clears throat> it seems like strange timing. Give it a month, and then I'll believe that it was just 
A lot of people are banging on. His time that he's selected. I don't know. It just feels weird. A lot of people are banging on. Reckon he's seen the writing on the wall. Uh, I think again, it's a bit naive to think after them winning ten of the last eleven series that you know anything's guaranteed for New South Wales. We have to go out and actually win the series first, which would be nice. Uh, Yeah, that was just. I just. I just. I don't know. I got a weird feeling about the timing of it. I, I don't know. I could be pretty well, wrong. I, I'm more leaning towards what I'd heard about the storm side of things. I think they off. He wants to play for a lot longer than what they expected. Yeah, we don't know. Yet, and if that's the know. case, just, just seems weird. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to wait and see how things yeah, unfold. Exactly. Yeah. Nick Becker says, "Who captains and kicks for Queensland now?" He reckons GI kicks with McCulloch and Hooker, G-I. but no clear goal kicker. Oh, captain. Sorry, I think oh, he meant captain. he's no goal kicker, which could haunt them. <coughs> well, captain. Captain of the current Queensland side, it's pretty hard to pick one, to be honest. I, I would have said Gillette might be up for it if he was healthy because uh, he's one of your stalwarts of that side or, or Maguire, whether you agree with that or not. But Matt look, Scott, but it's probably going to be his I wouldn't last pick, series as well. I wouldn't pick Matt Scott, but <coughs> look, gonna... the two most senior guys that would be most rock solid would probably be Gillette, who won't play, and, and Maguire, Morgan. who might not be there. Well, again, he might be playing off the bench, so... Um, it's a bit of an awkward time for them. The goal kicker, I think Munster does a bit of kicking, but other than that, look at the rest the of the side. The obvious one's If you're going to pick a captain, it'll be GI. Yeah, <coughs> if he's playing, yeah, and he's in this year. But goal kicker is a hard one, that's for sure. Simon Fraser, every time I watch Woods play, I want to light myself on fire. Are his hit-ups soft, or is he simply that slow that it looks like everyone he carries is half-hearted? What is his fetish with hospital passes every set of six? As you can tell, I'm a massive fan. We're not a massive fan either, but... And again, like, his runs aren't soft. He just runs to pass. Yeah. He doesn't run to run. No. He doesn't have the intent to get through the line first before he passes. He's always thinking pass first, offload first. He backs in. He loses momentum. He does have a knack of getting an offload, but they're not quality offloads. Like quality of offload is getting meters afterwards or where the play the ball ends up. And a lot of the time, because he meanders in, uh, the offloads generally get picked up pretty quickly and that next player is well, taken down. People know what's coming as well. But biggest thing for me, issue, and again, nothing's personal, is defensively. I think he's poor around the ruck and he gets quite lazy. So that's our probably bigger issue. Uh, Michael Johnson, again, Smith retired effective immediately. Hope this makes the pod. Well, it has made the pod. It is huge. But again, they debuted seven players last year, so they've started to flip the next generation. Uh, I've got my own opinion that I wouldn't pick a lot of those guys like Inglis, Boyd, and that, and I'd keep blooding guys and just mm. keep the transition going. Good luck with that. Most wouldn't agree with me, and they won't do that. Uh, but I think they blooded seven next year. I'd cop some short-term pain for long-term yeah, game. How many did they actually blood through dropping last year? A lot of it was through injury. Nate Miles, Thido, a couple of those guys, a couple through injury, but a few have retired now as well. So if you've already yeah, made yeah. that transition, I'd keep moving on. But I think Inglis, Boyd, a couple of those guys will be given games as well. well so. so you'd move on from Inglis? I'd move on with the back line you've got. I'm not saying that he's not up for it, but how much who, long, who how much longer is he going to play? Who are you going to put in there? Gagai and Chambers in my centres. Oates and Holmes on the wings. Your fullback, even Billy. I know he's probably going to play. Who did you say his centres? Gagai and Holmes. No. Inglis is still going better than Gagai. I'm centers. with you, but I mean for long-term <laughs> longevity, would you make the blooding now or would you keep pushing well, forward? How old is Inglis? Inglis is, what, 30? 30, 30, 31. Fresh off an ACL. How long is he going to play still for? Got a couple more years in him. Yeah, I actually, man, there's two ways to go about it. But I think like you, no, Gavin. I agree. I agree with Boyd. I you, think Boyd. You, Gavin Boyd's Cooper's talking about retiring. So if you're yeah. talking about retiring, then it's probably time to retire from rep footy. But I'm talking about even Gavin Cooper, Matt Scott. I'm not Gavin picking. Gavin Cooper, I would pick. No, nah, but they're talking about picking him, Scott. Matt I'm Scott, not doing it. Matt Scott, I'd pick. He's probably going to retire. He, I know that when he pulls on a maroon jumper, he's going to go. Well, for that, for that majority I'm talking about, if they've only got a year left, I'm moving on. I think Matt Scott's earned the right. I don't think Gavin Cooper has. Yeah, well, again, I'd just move on. But I'd, I'd have Wallace and a few other guys in there as well. So, yeah. 
who replaces Smith? I say McCulloch. That was Henry Twildale. Yeah. One bat. I'm a Queenslander. Are we stuffed? No. No. Well, we have to pick the right side first. So I don't even know what we're talking about. Us. It's Everyone's got to do with us. Everyone's freaking They're not out about stuff. They've got good enough players there. The, the, they've got plenty of depth there. They'll be fine. I think forwards are the bigger issue. The back line of the halves. You know, does, does this now probably make New South Wales favourites? Yes, but what does that mean? We've been favourite in a lot of games that we've lost. Yeah, well, I'm not going to disagree with you. No doubt. Uh, Queensland, this suits Queensland down to the ground. No yeah, underdog tag. They're going in as they always do. Point Dexter, more a statement, but NRL fans consistently pinning their team's losses on the refs. He's getting old real fast. Yes, sometimes Warner, but there can also be that you lose because your team is bad at football. From a Broncos fan whose team is bad at football. Well, it's refreshing. Not as bad as a Titans fan. Most uh, fans... His team sucks the bag. Yep. Yeah, I'm not arguing, but a lot of people will blame anyone. Uh, Bad at football. Yep. Uh, JDHD says, So Garth Brennan is fine with publicly stating LG got dropped for his defence, but if anyone else looks sideways at Cartwright, he's all not his fault. He's only young. He's the same age as LG for Christ's sake. You're not going to get any argument here, buddy. Nope. Kaspar, if you were playing alongside Cartwright and saw him let that player through, what would you say to him? And Spray. would you need, uh, would he need to earn your respect and trust back? Oh, it's very easy to earn respect and trust back on the field. You know when blokes are in there ripping in. So it only takes a couple of minutes to earn respect back, I reckon. Yeah. But it can be gone in one second. And again, it's respect for someone. I think it more goes back to what we said before. I'd lose respect for my coach if he kept picking and making excuses for him. I'd want to see him drop yeah, and agree. have someone else back in. But, but in the end, he's out there on the field. He's got to. Yeah, be responsible for his um, actions, and that was disgusting. I would have sprayed him. Yeah, it was awful. Absolutely sprayed him. It was awful. Uh, Janice Mateus says of the Dragons juniors coming through: OG Dryfield, Luciano, Host, Sello, Robinson, etc. Who would you try and keep, or who would you get rid of? Let's say three of them to keep Armel, for instance. Well, no, I'd if, be keeping them. I wouldn't be getting. I wouldn't be getting rid of them, but it, identifying out of those ones, if you had to, I'd be keeping. Robinson, that's Robson actually, the hooker. Uh, you obviously need a backup. There's not many good ones out there. I definitely keep Lomax because I think he's going to be taking Nightingale's spot when he retires. And I'm definitely keeping Host. Uh, Sele as a middle, I think you can lose if you're going to keep Armour. Masters as a wing fullback, I think you could probably afford to lose. Jay Field, is he going to take Dufty's spot? So if you're going to get rid of a couple, Luciano is probably the first one to be happy to lose because their forward pack's loaded. So they're probably a couple I'd look at. Uh, Jeff says, do you guys agree that the hate for Smith, Slater, etc. by most is a bit ridiculous? I don't support the Storm, but I've always appreciated them. And it's pretty hard to argue that they are the two best of all time in their position. Yeah. Stupid. Oh. The salary cap did all that. And the fact that Queensland have been so successful. Yeah. And Melbourne have been successful. successful well, Australia, right? tall poppy syndrome. We hate anyone who's successful <laughs> and on the way up. everyone. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of the time on the way up, we appreciate them. But when people get to the top, we generally seem to want to snipe and cut them down. But yeah. Um, yeah, Sean Field. What did Canberra do with that? Austin Whitehead or White to five eight? Any other options? Well, they've already got Sam Williams back from injury this week, and he yeah. played Cup last week, so that's the option they're going to go for. Sean McBay. Who are the kids that we haven't heard of yet that everybody will know their name in a year or two? Mm. I think Sean Bloor at Penrith. Yeah, he'll be good. Young back rower Lock. Uh, he played all the junior reps coming through Australian schoolboys, etc. He's uh, quite a handy footballer. Cut anyone else you can think of at the moment? Not off the top of my head, no. I'd have to have a look at the under-20s team list just to refresh my memory, to be honest. But he's probably one that just springs to mind after watching the SG Ball Grand Final uh, on the weekend. He's definitely a, a very talented footballer. They won no... the national championship on the weekend. Yep, they won the under-18s national championship, <laughs> so more players coming through. 
for the Panthers. Uh, Gav says, Ben Barber 2019, which club needs him the most? In my opinion, it's the Titans. Which club could use him the best? It'd be that he says the Storm of the Cowboys. Who do you think will sign him? No one. You think he'll stay over there? I think he'll stay. He's at St. Helens. He's going well. He's, he's playing under an Aussie coach. He's playing bloody well, isn't um, he? He's out of the spotlight. I, I, I don't see any reason why he would come back. Well, if he, if he wants to come back, it really if would. If he wants to come back, I've got no idea who's going to sign him. I reckon the Sharks would have another crack at him because he was borderline coming back until yeah. the NRL put the ghost low on things. Um, yeah. I don't know if that would work with Holmes, but there's still the rumours, and you've brought up yourself that Holmes might move on. So yeah, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But who I think could that, that game on the weekend helped Holmes' cause stay? Fact, yeah, it well, just seems as though he's working out at fullback, or things are getting better at fullback. Yeah. I'm going through here to see if we got any more on Twitter. Uh, Michael Sherban says, boys, for the charity bet, I reckon your knowledge is best used on player props. I cleaned up on your comment that South would have an issue with Frizzell. Most meters at $5. First dragon try at $17. I followed a couple of your comments. Sides on weak edges. Strike rate has been good. Well, we had a funny one the other week. And again, it was probably more of a laugh when Mitchell Moses was playing poor that we were basically back in any back rower. For a little while there, that oh, was, was running at Mitchell yeah, Moses. I was doing that last year, and uh, you know, won a lot of money on it. We we did have a fair bit, but I generally do that a lot. Brock laughs at me some weeks because I probably have too many try win bets, and you need the result obviously to happen. But I'm generally pretty big on trying to find like a weak edge, and you know, obviously South playing somebody with a weak right, their left edge, you know, look for a back row or a center, etc. So yeah, it's definitely not a bad way to bet. Calvin Hewitt, do you think the NRL needs to look at the HIA stats? and step players down that have had a certain amount in a short period of time to prevent teams cheating for that no, extra that's what change. doctors are for. Well, the, controversy, doctors? the controversy out of this, and I'm sure you've heard it this week, was Parramatta being accused after Vossi had a look and couldn't figure out where it was. They're not the only side. And he's had apparently five HIAs to start the year, and the thing is they get the feeling that they might keep playing him and using that as an excuse that, oh, he's had this many HIAs, etc. They're taking the piss. All the sides are taking the piss. Yeah, there needs to for me there needs to be an independent doctor there. They watch purely for HIA. They have sole discretion and power. They send the trainer out, or the game stops. You need to come off. Yep, I've done a great. You can go back on. We've said a million Easy. times. Said a million you take times. Take it out of the club's hands because at the moment they are rorting the interchange system, and everyone you know goes on about oh how we're going to go from eight to six. Not every team, well, teams that are using HIAs and abusing HIAs for one or two a game are getting two interchanges for free. Yeah, they're getting back to 10. They're getting back to 10 or 12. So, And they the, always the do eight, it with middles. The eight is a fallacy. It's a fallacy. Soon so as are taking the piss. Yeah, and especially with middles. As soon as the middle even looks like he's got a head knock, they're straight onto it because it is Correct. a free change Off. for the middles. Particularly if it's around a time when he would be interchanged normally. Yeah, and the one I had the other week and it didn't get answered, but I've seen it. Some have had two HIAs in a game. If you've gone for one, the second time, you should, to me, you're done. You shouldn't be able to get tested again. Two knocks like a fighter, that should be the end of it. Uh, Dinos Daniel, will the Tigers slide out of the eight or are they continue, are able to continue their position? Well, no, I, think, I think they'll be able to hang around the bottom of the eight. Yeah, bottom of the eight if they stay injury-free and origin if Brooks is left in there, they're not going to be touched during that period, so... Depending on what their schedule looks like, there's less effect this year, but I think they'll be good. I'd be shocked if they finish below uh, below 12th. It would take injuries to hurt them because they don't have a lot of depth, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, Rob Carter, all the talk of interchanges bored me to tears. Why can't we just go to six and on the bench have replacement instead of interchanges? Brings back fatigue into the game and allows concussed players to be replaced. Yeah, I, I like six. I'm a big fan of six, but I don't agree with the old way of when you're off, you're off. 
don't know. I guess I'm born a little bit after that. You know, that kind of wasn't around so much when I started to watch football. I was used to it. I think for player welfare and all the things and bits and pieces they have this day, they wouldn't let that happen. Um, but I definitely agree with dropping to six. I think you have to be fit enough, and they are fit enough. They're full-time athletes to be able to handle that change, and it brings the small men back into the game. Yeah. David Hooper, does Angus Crichton make the Blues site? If not, who's ahead of him? Well, this kind of bothers me, to be honest, because he, he has one massive game on the weekend, and he was okay last week. The start of the year is pretty average, and all of a sudden, after one bad <laughs> performance by the Dragons, and I know Corden has had a bit of a slow start, we're sticking the knife in. You've got to remember... Cordner, why he's had a slow start in the year, so of the Roosters. He's a product of his middles going forward and playing with a new half. But he's the incumbent back row for Australia and was one of the best players in the World Cup final last year and our captain last year. So he's not going anywhere. Tyson Frizzell on the weekend was as good, if not better. Uh, Sims every week before that was outstanding. So he's strung together more form. Um, there's guys ahead of I don't think for game one. But maybe later in the series if we get some injuries. Yeah, I, I can't have him at this point. Uh, he's a great talent and he's going to be a player in the future. But the way he started this year, I, I would have had him in conversations. But these last two games, I don't think it's enough to get ahead of those for a couple of guys. Uh, Mike Lawson, has Cam Munster been the Storm's best player this year? Uh, him and Addo Carr, I think, yeah. would be very bloody close. Yeah, Slater's um, been good as well. But yeah, I think those two <laughs> would be neck and neck. Mitch Madley says, do you boys see any Sydney teams being sent to a different city like Perth for the next 10 years? What was that one? Do you see any Sydney teams being sent to Perth in the next 10 years? No. I see a Perth team coming in, but not from a Sydney club. I think uh, there'll just be a Perth team at some stage if we expand. Uh, Jaden Cecil. Hey, Brock, just curious to know if you own a Titans jersey and a membership. I've got a Titans jersey. I don't wear it very often. Um, <laughs> you remember that? Even, even to games, I don't, I don't wear it. I own one. <clears throat> I think it might be 2010 or 2011. Jersey, yeah, but you're um, a member. I'm, not, I'm not a jersey wearer. I'm a, I'm a member. I've been a member yeah. since 2009. So yeah, we're both club anyone members. That, anyone that says that you're not a member, you shouldn't. You should shut up. I'm a member. I pay my cash. I pay my hundred a year for not much. Yep. I'll give you the tip. So fair call. Um, but I will continue to pay my membership and support them. And Daniel Friend would like to hear, as a coach, what you would have said to Bryce Cartwright after he said. I would have hooked him, and sprayed him. Yep. And you would have dropped him as well this week, I'm yep. guessing. Definitely. Yep. There's there's a line in the sand where it just becomes too much yep. and be- too far below the expectations that you set as a coach. And look, because for me, I would have had the discussion with him that you're on your last chance, mate. I'm not sure how Garth picked him after missing eight tackles a week before and taking the piss, really, and then comes out and does exactly the same thing, if not worse. So it would have been off, sit down, mate, Stern word. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have sprayed him in front of the team. I don't think that's necessary. I think it's between the coach and the player. The the rest of the team can see that he's taking the piss. I don't think you need to belittle him in front of the team. Um, and then from there, it would have been video review. Look, this is one, two, three, four, five. However many missed tackles or cock ups he had within the game. This is what you need to do to go away to fix it. This is what I need to see from you. You know your time in reserve grade. This is what you need to do to get back into the side. And and that's the process of being a good coach. You can't just honesty in. as well. Consistency. Honesty, yeah, I like honesty you know, and consistency. I'm pretty brutally honest, and it's it's worked with ninety nine percent of the players that I'm with. Yeah, I've been with. So, you know, some of them don't like it, but they respect it, and they might not like hearing the information. But once they go away and they take the emotion out of it and the anger out of it, sometimes they come back and they say, you know, look, you were right, or hey, look, I think you were, you were right on this, but I'm not sure about this. And that's all good. You've got to, as a coach, you can't be black and very stringent. You've got to, you've got to have some bend in you. And 
one-on-one discussions with players and say, look, yeah, and sometimes as a coach, you're very emotional and, you know, you can fly off the handle a little bit. I know that, you know, there's times when I'm super frustrated and I say things that, you know, probably a little bit harsher than what I normally would and then you go away and you think, geez, I was a bit harsh there and you, you both player and coach come back together and go, look, you find middle ground and you work together because in the end, Garth needs to get the best out of Bryce Cartwright. And, but at the moment, the methods he's using in terms of tapping his ass, they're not working. No, he needs to be more forward, he more, needs more stick. And he's trying to be too much of his friend rather than be his coach. Yeah. There's a relationship that's there that has some elements of a friendship, but you need to be more stern, more honest, more like a father figure basically when you're a coach. And if he's got him there worried about the personal relationship, well, he then sh- you shouldn't be shouldn't coaching Shouldn't have signed him. Shouldn't be coaching him. Yeah. Shouldn't have signed him if that was the case. Scott Brahoney, are we seeing the benefits of youth development programs with Penrith and Cronulla notching wins with huge injury tolls uh, in their first 17, or is it just good cat management? Oh, they're, de- they're, they're development clubs. Those yeah. two are development clubs. So, yes, they're going to have more depth than others. Um, they're still- so, yes, short answer is yes. But, again, demographically, you need to be in an area that has a lot of juniors. Like, well, you can't just... You can't just Plant juniors there. Cron- like, Cronulla's been a lot better the last couple of years. They used to in the junior hunt, reps. Yeah. They used to hunt a lot of players from out of area, and they didn't do too well. They've been yeah. much better more recently. But I think cap management's still part of it. Yeah, but cap they've always had players there. Hundred percent. But cap yeah. management's still part of it in the sense of you know they had Endeavour Sports that were going really really well. Yeah. But their junior reps weren't. They're getting a bunch of players. Yeah. But I think the other part is partly cap management and you heard Gus talk about the other week in the sense of with those kids that are coming through, they've got so many. They've identified in advance, obviously, that someone like Tyron Peachy, they're not going to be able to offer him that kind of money. They cut that deal up for what he has got, and that keeps you of Tyron May and yes. Kate Ellis and these guys. So they're yeah. keeping good depth. And... But that's also their club philosophy. Yeah. You look the... at Melbourne. How many players are Melbourne going to get out of Melbourne? None. Well, a well one every so club. often. Yeah, exactly. They usually find them from so New Zealand and other places. Where like... you are situated in terms of your demographic and your geographical location. Yep. Uh, Daniel Bennett, top three. Who are your boys' picks as the top three hole runners in the game? Who hits the best lines? <sighs> Hitting the line. Well, I think Boyd Corder, when he's in absolute best form, runs one of the best lines. I think there's no doubt about that. Obviously, that hasn't been the case more recently. I think Tyson Frizzell runs a nice uh, unders line when he gets back into the defense. I think Greg Greg English runs good lines. Run, yeah, well, as a center, as a back row, I think, you know, they're probably... Callum the... Ponger's running some really nice lines. Well, about right. to say, there's one when you bring it up again, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. You want to talk Fitzgibbon. about some of the best yeah. young line runners in the game, watch Lachlan talk, Fitzgibbon. depends whether you're talking about an edge or a... If you're talking centers sweet. or back rowers, it depends. But out of back rowers, I'd say Fitzgibbon's probably the best young line runner. I think Frizzell and Cordner are probably your two... That's, Guys, off, that's but, off the top of our head. Yeah. I think uh, Crichton ran a nice yeah, one on the weekend. Ryan Hoffman used to run one of the best oh, unders lines in the game. He was a cracker. Five years ago. Yeah, Fitzgibbon's probably the real young standout for me right now. He runs a beautiful unders line um, and, the, and the timing and the Tony hands. Tony Harris runs a real tidy line. Yeah, definitely. Dominic Coogan, Trent Hodkinson looked to be on one knee last year. They obviously offered a longer-term contract for the Sharks to release in. Is it worth the risk to save this year? Are they thinking too short-term? Well, I don't think it's... Uh, looking long-term, I think it's looking more at culture. I think it's looking at the fact that uh, they probably wouldn't have had to pay as much as what you think, and it's a short-term solution for a club that's in a salary cap hole and just needs a good bloke to be in that environment because I think it's been proved so far that Daly Chair Evans, for all his talent, uh, is pretty piss-poor as a leader and hasn't shown a hell of a lot of character, and they just need to get better people in their club. And Trent Hodkinson is an exceptional human being, I think, shown by some of the off-field work and just his general demeanour at any club he's been in and a lot of stuff you hear about him. So yeah. 
And on top of that, they need a half. They need a partner. They need someone to be there. He was there at Manly. It's kind of a full circle thing. But I think more than anything, it's just great for their culture, which at the moment is very poor. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a great move by Manly. Um, and yeah, they they look like they weren't going to get him out of the Sharks. So I don't know what's changed, but uh, it's a massive result for them, I think, to get him over. It's going to be a big yep. Tommy Thorburn, what does or should an attacking team have to, or why should they have to wait while defenders are wasting time getting onside from a 40-20? Kick for touch, etc. EG Melbourne did this multiple times against the Gold Coast. Yeah, they should just be able to go yeah. and tap it. I don't understand why they just, stop them. It just needs to be once the referees are in position. Yeah, game on. Go. James Hill, does Smith's call mean he's <laughs> retiring at the end of the year? I don't think so. Did he what? Does Smith's call retiring for reps mean he's retiring at the end of the year? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he wants to play for longer, which may be why he's trying to prolong his career by stopping the rep football. Jared Braddock, do you boys think that Cogger is better suited uh, for Ponga than Lamb is? Cogger just passes it to Ponga and lets him run the team, where Lamb wanted to do more with the ball. Kind of made Ponga have a quiet game against the Panthers. He needs the ball at least two, three times each set. Well, you don't want to overuse him because it becomes predictable and easy to read. Lamb's your seven. You want him to be on the football. You want your halves to play football. And if he's going to be a long-term seven there, you can't just tell those guys pass the ball to Callum. That's under seven stuff, trying to say don't ball play at all, don't get at the line. Um, he came up with a couple of good decisions. He made that line break where he busted through and gave that try assist. So you want to get confidence in all those guys. If there's anyone you want to see more out of, it would be Lamb because Cog is going to the Bulldogs next year. Yeah. So I wouldn't be trying to discourage him from playing some football. They need to figure out whether he is a long-term viable option to partner Mitchell Pearce or is it Connor Watson. So, um, yeah, get Pong on the football, but you can't overuse him. You've got to remember he's only 19 years old as well. Yeah. Dave Butler, not so much a question, but an idea. When it comes to injured players, stop play. stopping players fine, ensuring they're okay is priority. But if they stay on, they should remain in that position on the field when the play continues and then make their way back into the defensive line during play. Yeah, well, you go. Yeah, fair comment, I guess. But, yeah, yeah. I, I most think if they're not severely injured or they're not in play, you just keep going. That's my opinion. When we were kids, even know, there's no real rule of thumb for it. I'm sick of the game being stopped. Even when we were kids, though, I remember like if you got you know a grazed knee or you hurt this or that, basically if they can move the play ball, they used to move on without you yeah. if you're out in the field. That that's kids football. I know. Again, 2018 PC World. Well, I know. In a school game today, Care. we had the ball attacking the opposition's goal line. Kid lost his boot. And they stop the game so he can go and get his boot and put it back on. Yeah, that's silly. If you lose your boot, you play on. You keep going until you get a chance. Andrew Bennett, if you had Melbourne in your team today with the positions used differently, how would you play him in the second row or still at centre or somewhere else? Centre. Yeah, he'd still be a centre, I think, the way he is now. Big, powerful centre, good set starter, get in there, help out and get him early ball. Uh, Mitch Brackenbridge, is Smith retiring uh, so he can concentrate on going back-to-back with a storm? I don't think so. No. I, I think they're going to be hard done by trying to go back-to-back. Back. a whisker of going back-to-back back while he was playing Origin. Everyone's <coughs> assuming things. I've got my thoughts. Everyone's going to have their thoughts. We're not going to know until a couple of weeks' time. I think the biggest thing is we want to see if he plays on and the length of the deal, if they're going to try and do that. I think that's the main thing at the moment. Uh, Jay Smith, I'd assume there are a lot of awesome NFL college players that don't make it who could definitely be recruited. Uh, who could destroy in league, front row types, wingers, fullbacks. Have they tried this? Is it a good idea? Yeah, they're having a combine in LA this year. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea, but again, it's a different kind of game. It's not so much a an aerobic game. It's more an explosive game. It's a completely different skill set. It's no different to going over there and try to transition. And it depends on what position you're trying to play. Like Jordan Mailata that's gone over there to play 
as an offensive lineman. I'm not downplaying the position. It's a hard one, but he's the physical build to do that kind of job. But it's a lot less complicated than, say, being a quarterback and having to learn a playbook, which is massive, or, you know, play safety and read defenses and the levels and all that kind of thing. So I think some positions in the NFL would be easier to learn than others. And for those guys coming over here, our game is probably a little more uh, less complicated to learn, but there's still some intricacies and things that they don't grow up with, obviously not having played rugby league. So it's a hard transition. Sean Tran, should Penrith be looking to bring someone else in at fullback? If so, who can they make a push? Or if so, or who can they make a push for a premiership with Dallin there? Is the chopping and changing actually hurting Newcastle? As a fan, I'm starting to think we've got to start getting some stability. I think Dallin's probably your best option for now. Yeah, Um, He's played junior fullback. He's probably not as good a ball player, but he's got a good set start. He's got a good carry. I wouldn't be making any change there. For Newcastle, well, again, no offense. With Pierce out, it's almost a write-off of a year as far as finals are concerned. They're still trying to sift through some players and figure out what they've got there. I think they've got some good pieces, but they're going to be on the market again. They're having a crack for Glasby. They had a crack for Jared Wallace. They've obviously missed out on him. They're looking at Shannon Boyd. Uh, the side's not done. There's some good young pieces there, but they still need to recruit. So they're going to look at Yates. They're going to look at these kind of guys and try and figure out who's worth keeping and who's not. Will Robinson, hoping Bird gets homesick and heads back to Sydney sooner rather than later. So yeah. he's obviously over having him there at the Broncos. Uh, Arthur Sulis, has Mary improved as a coach or is it just better cattle making him look good? I think he has from when he started, but interested in your thoughts. He's definitely improved. Yeah, definitely 100%. Improved, but the team's also improved. So. But he, this is also what he said this year in his own words, this is finally my team. So yeah. at the same time, he's partly responsible for the assemble, uh, the assembly of this team and it is more what he was after. So you've got to give him some credit for that as well. Uh, who should replace Smith as captain and why is it Ben Hunt? Well, I don't think it'll be Ben Hunt and G.I. like Brock said if he gets in. Stephen Warcroft, are the Panthers flying under the radar at the moment and do you think they can go all the way? I think they're flying under the radar a little bit because of the injuries, but with Cleary back in and some of the junior talent they've got, it's pretty hard to fly under the radar for the whole year. Can they go the whole way? I think they can. They could patch things up, but it's going to still be a big ask if they have a lot of long-term injuries. Um, but if... Dallin finds his feet there. You've got Gunn Harves in Zelezniak and obviously... Oh, sorry. Cleary Maloney, if things click there. Katoa's proved that he's going to be good at nine with Wallace, so the spine's still looking very, very good. I think it's more on the forward pack. Would you agree? Agree, yeah. Yep. Tom Rogers, Cameron Smith, best hooker of all time. Played well at number nine too. So, thanks, Tommy. Uh, Adam Thomas, more bad decisions from the bunker and the refs again this weekend for a change. Whatever happened to the captain's challenge, I love the idea. Well, they've canned it. They've got rid of it. Uh, the bunker's there. It's here to stay. They've spent a lot of money on it. Uh, no one's ever going to be 100% happy. We say that a million times, I guess. Andrew Wales, again, who plays nine, McCulloch. But he also says, for Fida leading the Dally M, I think the Sharks' future is looking very bright, but he wishes they got Jared Wallace. Is there any other forward on the market they could go for? If you wanted a front row, the best available one avoid. on the market right now, I think, is Armel. Yeah. If you want to get someone. And I think you can get him for less than what you can get Shannon Boyd because he's a little bit older. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're going to go for a front row, he's the one I'd be after. Zach Maitland, which teams do you think are genuine contenders this year? I've got Dragon Storm, Penrith Roosters, and now after the weekend, maybe Souths. Yeah, Any others? I agree. Well, I don't think maybe Souths. I think definitely Souths. I think Penrith, Dragon Storm as well. Uh, Roosters. I'm not so sure about the Tigers being a threat. No. The Sharks, again... If they get healthy and get all their yeah. bits back, can they be a threat? No. I'm not convinced at the moment. So, no. yeah. 
Uh, Owen. The Warriors, I'd throw the Warriors in there. If they get healthy mm. with all those bits and again start stringing things That'd together. That'll probably be the only six, but. Yeah. Owen Mackie Milo, can you explain the quick tap option after a penalty? Because I always see teams trying to take it and then it's getting called back. Well, they're, because they're not on side. Yeah. They're on or side. They're not having taken it at the mark. Yeah. So they've got to take it where the cross is on the field, which signifies the middle of the field. And they need to tap the ball when the rest of their players have retreated behind He's line. saying after a penalty, though. So he's saying when they don't get the quick tap. Not everything's a quick tap penalty, though. Yeah, or inside 10, it's not a quick tap. Yeah. Um, and the other reason would be that the referees aren't ready or there's a second ball on the field or referee incompetence. Yep. Uh, Brendan Savage, will Hawkinson fill the number six as effectively as Green did? No. Well, he's a good defender and he's got a good kicking game. I think he'll do a steady job. He'll do a better job than Lachlan Croker. So yeah. I think they'll. this was my concern with Manly. Um, and they've been pretty much a wooden spoon side like I predicted without Green. Now, I think Hawkinson's going to be better than what they've had. So I expect them to crawl up the table a little bit, but um, I don't expect them to make the eight. Yep. David Haylett, when are you going to get rid of Matty Johns, take over his show and make it rugby relevant? Yeah, it'd be nice because it's really gone down the shitter. Um, yeah, it's not too... much footy on there. It's a variety show now. It should be on Fox 8. Well, I'll tell you what I do like now, and you got me onto it because I didn't get to watch it a few times. The big leg rap's all right. Big I don't mind the big good. leg rap. 100% footy is good. 100% footy is good too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 360. Adam Stevenson, thoughts on Cronulla's depth? Is it the same uh, in the same league as the Panthers? Everyone going on about Penrith being injury hit, but so are the Sharks. Yeah, uh, no, the, the depth's good. I think the depth's good. I still think Penrith's... More purchase depth, but... Yeah, I think Penrith's got uh, better depth all around. I know they're saying that you're injury hit, but it's more spine positions you can't compare. I guess losing Cleary is a lot bigger a blow than losing Gallon, who's on the back nine, Lewis, etc. Graham's a big loss, but a couple of those guys will be retired next year. So yeah. uh, it hurts them this year, but yeah. Penrith losing young Dylan Edwards, Nathan Cleary for a period of time, etc. There's some pretty big guys to lose. Uh, and the last one we got here, Robert. Robert uh, Thomas Vero says, more of a statement, but Cameron Smith, I'm a blue through and through, but I just read about his immediate origin retirement. Sad that a grade of the game won't uh, get to be recognised in his last game for Queensland. Mm. Fair. Yeah, well... It is sad. Plenty of people would disagree with you because they don't like the bloke, but um, love him or hate him, he's been an absolutely exceptional footballer, an outstanding footballer, and at the rep level, he's been awesome for us. From an Australian uh, point of view especially, but obviously uh, being New South Wales, <clears throat> born, bred and raised, he's absolutely tortured us in that regard, Cameron Smith, during Origin, and been exceptional for Queensland since he debuted all the way back in 2003. Absolutely, yep. Yep. Well, that wraps up uh, all the fan questions. We move on now to Mr. Gossip. And uh, again, still hoping to get him on at some point this year, but obviously some complications and some curveballs with work have made things a little more difficult, but... The gossip is starting to roll in. We're getting to that time of the year. And the first bit we have is Leeson Armour, obviously one of the hottest sought-after properties on the market, Boxhead. He has an offer from the Dragons, so they're trying to keep him. And obviously the Knights as well, another one who was very interested. They were the first one that was touted. He wants a three-year deal. Would you give him that? As the Dragons or as the Newcastle? As either. Yeah. At this point in time. He's a a good bench prop. He's playing behind Graham and Vaughan. So he he makes a difference that. when he comes on that. Yeah. But okay, so what are they buying him as? A bench prop or a starting prop? Well, you're going to join SASA in that rotation, I'd assume. And as a starter. You'd so be a it's starter. Different, it's a different ball game altogether. So I think in the role that he's in, he's going to get paid probably more than what he deserves as a starter because I'm not sure, I'm not sure how he's going to go as a starter. 
I think he could start. Like, he started how before. Good pack at the Dragons. At the I know they've been good, go but he doesn't impact. come on and just make an impact. He continues that role when those guys go off the field, and he's one of the only ones, like I said before, in that rotation they trust to play big minutes. They give minimal minutes to the I'm three other guys. So. I'm just saying that it's big money for a guy who isn't a mainstay really in their forward pack. He's a bench forward, so I wouldn't pay him massive money. No, I'd pay him good money. Yes. But I certainly wouldn't Ooh. be emptying my wallet on Lisa Armour, who's unproven as a starter. I get that, but what would you consider good money in the salary cap currently? Oh, if Shannon Boyd's worth seven hundred thousand dollars and only plays thirty-five minutes, what are you paying for Armour? Four hundred. I'd pay more than that. I'd pay yeah, at least half a million. Pay four. I'd pay five for Armour at least. Uh, the at Tigers. Least. So what? You're going to pay Armour more than five hundred, but you'd only pay Boyd seven hundred. I'd pay. I wouldn't Boyd's pay. A, I wouldn't, Boyd's a front. Boyd's a starter. I wouldn't pay Boyd seven hundred for Australia. He plays better off the bench than he does as a starter. I reckon. Mm. I wouldn't pay him seven hundred for thirty-five minutes. I'd pay more. If I'd Armour's, pay. Armour's not playing much longer. Oh, he's playing more minutes. I'd think if you looked up the numbers, but I'd pay Armour half a million. I wouldn't pay him much more, any more than that, probably. It's big money for a bench player. Yeah, well, I guess bench and start aren't all that different as far as I'm concerned. I think they are. Depends what team you're in, but I think he'd do just as good a job if he had a start. Like, well, so. Paul Vaughan playing 70 on occasions. You know, oh, well, this year different. he's averaging about 50 this year. He hasn't had to play 70. I think Bromwich is your. We well, played 71 game this year. He's your standout if you're looking at minutes as far as props against against burn, and burn, and you for feeder is your other guy, I guess, when you look at it from that perspective as far as minutes. But uh, the Tigers, they're also pushing to get Curtis Rona over the line before June 30. So that was rumored at the back end of last year. Mm. Obviously, the former top try scorer in the NRL for the Bulldogs, uh, pretty good outside back. Would you think that'd be a quality signing? I don't think they need him. I don't think the Tigers need him. Their outside backs are going enormous. Well, the rumour is now that Naguama. Thompson, um, Malachi, Watinza, Lesniak, David Nofaluma, they're all going well. well. I think the talk is Naguama's on the outer and they want to get him out off to the Super League. So maybe looking to bring in Rona. I don't know whether it's a centre or a winger, but uh, adding quality never right, hurts. Right, yeah, Rona was okay when he was here. He's. I don't think he's a superstar. But, yeah, he'd add some depth. Oh, it depends, again, what you're paying him. Yep. Mansour, he's looking like he might stay again at Penrith for a smaller offer. And Mr. Gossip said credit to his loyalty if that is the case. But, obviously, hearing the Bulldogs, the Eels, the Roosters, a lot of clubs are in there for bigger types of money. And you're hearing figures, are, you know, being bandied around around the 600s or something like that for a good yardage winger. Uh, Mansour staying for less. Again, on the open market, what would you be willing to pay for a Josh Mansour? On the open market, mm. oh, five hundred. If you're Penrith and you've got a wealth of depth, I think Penrith would be offering him about five hundred. Oh, no, I look at Penrith. Other clubs, other clubs would be offering him a lot more. Yeah, well, I reckon around the seven hundred, he'd be getting offered elsewhere. I think he's worth five hundred. I think he's quality. He get and that was a discussion that Gus Gould's apparently had with him. Go and get whatever money you can get. Well, it's same as Peachy. They're not going to be offering um, the same. But if it's six hundred to five hundred, and Penrith are giving him four years as opposed to a three-year deal, with the injuries that he's had, you know that's certainly going to bump his asking price down. If Josh Mansour is fit and hasn't had any injuries in the last three years, and he's playing as well as what he could, he could demand seven hundred and fifty on the open market. But I think his injuries will dictate how much money he's he's able to earn. Well, I think it's not scaring off the dogs, the eels, and the roosters. So at the end of the day, it's going to come down. Me, yeah, like the roosters, I get because they try and buy everyone. But for for Parramatta, I get it because they're probably trying to replace. They need a yard between But again, he's not on the field a lot. Like and if you, the, the you dogs don't buy him, and then if he's not on the field, 
the talk again of the dogs surprised me because they don't have the money well, to shuffle they're around. To get so. rid of the Morris boys. So I, yeah, well, I yeah, but they need to do that just to be able to pay the back end of deals for next year. And for me, if I'm Penrith and uh, Mansell leaves, <clears throat> I'd be coming in. I'd be going to the Bulldogs and saying, oh, "Oh, we want Brett Morris as long as you're going to pick up some of the freight." Well, they don't have to. He's off contract. Okay. Well, so you could go. literally just yeah. buy him on the market for cheap. The problem is they're trying to package deal as a pair again. Well, how can they do that when they're on the open no, market? No, no, I don't think they will. That's my point. I, I figured when I heard that that they must be on contract. No, no they're, they're not off. on contract. They're, they're off. Sign. Eastwood's off. Okay. But the problem is those deals may be gone, but there's back end a deal still there to yeah, eat right. up their cap. Yeah, That's yeah. what's hurting them, which is why they're trying to offload possibly an Umbai or a Clemmer because they're that desperate to get space to have at least 1.5, 1.6 to go out and buy seven or eight players they're still going to need, and they're all going to be cheaper players, 200 grand, 150 grand, etc. <laughs> That's how dire the situation yeah, is. That's that. the issue. I understand that. But uh, I, I figured they were on contract, though. Yeah. Well, me and Saul will see if he ends up staying there, but I'm sure... Well, how Penrith... are they shopping him around? They're not shopping him around anyway. Bulldogs shopping aren't shopping no one around. The Morris boys. They're not shopping the Morris no, boys. The Morris they're boys shopping. are shopping themselves around. Yeah, I get that. That's no, what, I'm, what, I'm saying, what I'm saying they're is shopping so and buying saying, what are people saying that they're shopping the Morris boys around for? Well, they're not. They're shopping around those guys that are on contract. Well, that's my point now, yeah. yeah. But I don't know why media outlets are saying that they've been shopped around. No, no idea. Kenny Edwards uh, to be sacked, according to Mr. Gossip. One too many off-field indiscretions. So obviously this is in regards to supposedly the other day uh, he had a traffic incident. I didn't read as to what that was. I don't know if you saw that. No, and I don't care. But apparently he's been stood down, and if it is another one, well, then, yeah, you can't really blame him. He's had some issues. So, If you're a dickhead, more than likely you're going to stay a dickhead. Spots don't change. Mm. And the last one he's got here, Mr. Gossett, is reports that Tyron Peachy is getting cold feet on the Titans deal are false. And that doesn't surprise me because, again... <laughs> if he was, I wouldn't blame him. Uh Gus Gould again basically explained this one that they went to him 18 months in advance and told him with the players we've got here and the role you play you're going to get a lot more on the open market than what we can offer you so we're telling you to go out and get the best deal you possibly can which he has uh, if he's getting cold feet like you said couldn't blame him for the club he's going to but would anyone else be willing to pay the money he's getting at the Gold Coast I don't What's know he getting to the Gold Coast no well, they're talking close to 600,000 so yeah, I think, that's I think Penrith have basically already spent that money and he said could get, he could get that money yeah. elsewhere well so. see what happens there but uh, that's your gossip for this week. Now on to our tips and the betting brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate and every single one of their betting packages this week has gone into the green box head. So mm-hmm. it's been a pretty good week for them and in particular a superb week for their total NRL package which you can get first month half price $99. Uh, if you don't get a return profit for that month, you get the next month for free. Uh, after that, it just continues to roll over one ninety nine per month. No locking contracts cancel any time. But on the weekend, they had nineteen bets. They come up with fifteen winners. They outlaid three thousand and they came out ahead one thousand seven hundred and seventy six dollars. So, like you said before, if you shrink that down, it's a sixty percent plus return, which is a huge week. Yeah, and those are. Line bets that we basically do every single week that you mentioned before, those main lines that they give you or push for you to bet on. They had the Roosters plus two, which covered. They had the Rabbitohs plus five and a half, which covered. And they had the Sharks plus four and a half, which covered. And uh, it has been a bit harder than most years to get on top of betting and tipping. I had my worst week last week. We all only tipped three actually last week. So uh, it was a difficult week, but hopefully they're starting to warm into things a little bit more now. Mm. Uh, Looking at... The games and the tips we've got for this one. The first one to kick off the round is the Panthers versus the Tigers. Uh, and that one is at Penrith Park on Thursday night for the Panthers. Uh, Cleary returns finally 
in the halves. Peachy goes back to the centers. Yo back to the back row and kick out of the bench. Peter Wallace is out, so Katoa will start. Wade Egan and Hetherington return on the bench with Kate Ellis and Jerome Luai out. On the Tigers' side of things, Mahe Fanua has been dropped after his man of the match performance because he turned up to training late. So Kevin Naguama returns at center. Who do you I'll like tip, in this one? Um, I'll tip Penrith. At Penrith Thursday night. Um, but I'll, I'll probably have a bet on the West Tigers, to be fair. I'll, I'll have a little sneaky one. I think they're good value. Yep, I don't mind the value as well. But yep, we're all on Penrith. Mr. Gossip's on Penrith as well. $1.58 with the Pro Sports Syndicate. two forty for the Tigers. Minus four and a half is the line. Game total is the one I like. Over or under 39 and a half. Night time, I still think these two will throw a lot at each other. 1-12, to 12, the Panthers 290. 360 for the Tigers. 13 plus the Panthers 310. 650 the Tigers. The second game is the Parramatta Eels against... The Warriors, Kenny Edwards is out pending that court appearance for a traffic violation. Cameron King comes back to nine instead of Will Smith, who goes to the bench. Manu Ma'u moves to lock with Bo Scott moving to the back row. And Murata Niakura, as I said earlier, will debut with Vave dropping out on the Warriors side of things. Isaac Luke has been named, so he's possibly back this week. Lawton is out of the squad and into the reserves. Lino has been named despite that ankle injury. So Bloody hell, this is a hard game. Well, it's hard because you don't know if Luke's playing and you also don't know... And you don't know how they're going to travel. ...if Lino's playing. And then you look at the reserves. If Lino's not playing, I'm guaranteeing Tohu Harris is moving into six. And that will be the case, which means Mannering will go into the back row, which means they need to call someone into the side. So I'm tipping this off the fact I think that Luke will play. Uh, I'm not too sure about Lino. But how Parramatta's been, I don't know. I think it's... Kind of hot and cold. Uh, they've got a couple other guys on the bench and Jamin Semin and Raymond Stone who are future players. I don't know if they'll get a run this week, but I'm just going to have a little bit more faith in what I've seen in the Warriors despite the fact a couple of those guys may or may not play. Yeah, um, Warriors. Yep, Mr. Gossip, as he's done all year, where do you think he's gone? Para. He's tipped Para every single week. I'm certain of it. I have to go back on it. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Parramatta are 210. The Warriors are $1.75. Minus two is the line. The game total, 39 and a half for this one. Uh, 1 to 12. Eels, 330, 3-10 the Warriors. 13 plus 525 for Para, 360 for the Eels. Brisbane Broncos versus the Roosters, the late Friday night game. And a bit of a change this year. We're so used to the same Brisbane play every Friday night. They haven't had that many this year, have they? Mm. This is one of the first I can remember in a while. Uh, on the Broncos side of things, Jack Bird is out, Alex Glenn is out, and Payne Haas is out as well. So a lot of changes there. Tom Applechak moves back to the starting center spot. Tavita Pangai Jr. is into the back row, and Offa Hengawi is at lock with Sam Tagatizi and Patrick Mago joining the bench along with a debutante, Gemahat Shibasaki, who was a gun in the under-20s. He's a big outside back who is very good in yardage. So uh, heavy changes there. And the 18th man with interest, I have Katoni Staggs. He's a... Back row center from the under-20 side. He's basically, to me, the clone of Alex Glenn. He's that guy that can play six center back row like when he first came in, and he's a good goal kicker too. So a lot of changes for them. The Roosters, uh, they're unchanged besides Victor Adley, who comes back in and takes Nat Butcher's spot. So naturally, tip the Roosters, unchanged, Radley back in. Good result last week. I want to see him back it up against a Brisbane side with injuries. Roosters. Yep. All round, Gossip is also on the Roosters. And the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate. This one, 230 of the Broncos. $1.63 for the Roosters. Minus three and a half the line. One to 12 Broncos, $3.50. $3 for the Roosters. 13 plus Broncos, $5.50. 340 
for the Roosters. Gold Coast Titans versus uh, the Newcastle Knights and a host of changes for the Titans. Jai Arrow is back at lock. Jared Wallace moves to the front row. Max King to the bench. Nathan Peets is back at hooker. So Rain goes back to the bench and Cartwright is out of the 17, but still part of the reserves. So interesting to see there. Also on the reserves, Hurrell and Kane Elgy. Uh, Keegan Hipgrave moves into the back row because Will Matthews is out and Kevin Proctor has been named despite uh, his supposed groin injury. So not sure the severity of that one, but uh, he's still in there. So I have to see if he ends up playing. For Newcastle, they've only made one change. Jacob Safidi uh, has replaced Luke Yates on the bench. So who you got in this one? Oh, that's a hard one. I'm going to tip the Titans. Yeah, at home, a couple of players yeah, yeah. back in, tighten things up, I guess, with uh, Pete's and Arrow, hopefully. Arrow, I'm just worried about because that back well, seems Wallace, to keep flaring up. James, Proctor, Hipgrave, Arrow, I think that's real solid forward pack. Um, Newcastle, I mean, I can't get a read on Newcastle. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, this one, if it was in Newcastle, I'd tip Newcastle. In fact, it's on the Gold Coast, I'll go with the Titans with no confidence. Yeah, well, I was kind of hesitant because it was on the Gold Coast. I'm going to stick with Newcastle, but with zero confidence. Uh, realistically, I should be tipping the Titans for the reason you just said. It is up at home, and they've got a couple of plays back in, but uh, I'm going to throw a bit of a, a left hook and hope that the Newcastle Knights can come up with a win. But they are the favourites for the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.82. $2 for the Titans, so a bit of value there if you like them. Minus 1.5 is the line. Over and under is 45.5. 350, 1 to 12 for the Titans, 330. The Knights, 13 plus 450. The Titans, 360. The Knights, North Queensland versus South Sydney. Uh, <laughs> North Queensland have got no changes, but I look at their reserves and I beg to differ. So Francis Milo at 18, Jarvid Bowen and Anaro Tuala and Jake Clifford. I don't know if they'll debut all of them, but I'd be very surprised if at least Anari Tuala at the minimum and maybe Molo don't get a game uh, this weekend. For the Rabbitohs, as you'd expect, they're unchanged. And I'm tipping the Rabbitohs with Rabbitohs. no brainer there. They'll be one of the leagues in our charity bet this week. Yep. And Mr. Gossip, he's gone the upset. He's on the Cowboys. So what is he smoking? I don't know. He's been a bit average on the tips. He's slowly crawled back the last few weeks. But, yeah, see what happens there. Pro Sports Syndicate, the outsiders, 210 the Cowboys, $1.75. For Souths, minus two is the line over and under this 38 and a half. 1 to 12 Cowboys, 340, $3 South. 13 plus Cowboys, $5.375 for South. Storm versus Manly. Uh, this is a hard one. It's in Melbourne. Slater is the captain, obviously, because Smith is suspended. Jerome Hughes is back on the bench, and Glasby is back on the bench as Castiano goes out of the side. So, Riley Jackson, Munster in the halves with Smith and Slater. A bit of a look towards the future, possibly. Uh, you've got Glasby back there on the bench. Oh, this side looks good. Jerome Hughes on Hodgkinson Manly. Melbourne. <clears throat> Trent Hodkinson's been named on the bench, but I'd expect him to shuffle in and start with Dylan Walker pushing back into the centres and maybe Matt Wright getting pushed out of the side with Suley uh, possibly going to the wing. Other than that, they're basically unchanged. Uh, I was actually pretty tempted to tip Manly because for some reason we always seem to have these clashes and a bit of drama. Um, but it is in Melbourne. I thought we were poor last week, and I think Smith will... Probably give us a glimpse towards the future. He's obviously no Cameron Smith, but I, I think Brandon Smith will have a huge game. So I'm going the Storm. Storm. Mr. Gossip, he's on the Storm as well. So the trifecta there from all of us. They're $1.48 favorites at home, two seventy for Manly. Minus six is the line. Over under is 40 and a half. One to 12 Storm, $2.94 Manly. 13 plus Storm, $2.75, $7 for Manly. Dragons and Canberra up there in Mudgy. Uh, the Dragons, obviously, not the greatest effort. Last week from them, and they've got some injury concerns on DeBellin and Ben Hunt with uh, his hip and a quad injury for Ben Hunt, but they've both been 
named despite those niggles. Blake Laurie replaces Zach Lomax on the bench in the 17. Canberra, Blake Austin has been named in an unchanged lineup, but Sam Williams is on standby. So not sure the extent, but looking at it, it looked bad. So I don't know if he'll play or not. Um, they let me down last week. I thought they were going to continue the momentum and make it five from six. I know the Dragons were a little bit flat, but I think they'll be desperate to get another win or two before this origin period creeps up. So Dragons to bounce. I'm going to go the Dragons up there in Mudgee. Yep. Mr. Gossip, he's on the Raiders. So he's going all the upsets this round. The Dragons with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.38, 310. Massive odds for the Raiders there if you like them. Minus eight is a line. Ovars and under is 43.5. One to 12 Dragons, $3.425. The Raiders, 13 plus the Dragons, 235. 850 for the Raiders. Cronulla versus the Dogs. Uh, the Sharks side of things. Paul Gallon is back. Bakuya is back. And Ava, Simon Afanai, and Paul, they go back to the bench. Dylan and Ueli drop out. Dugan and Lewis are in the reserve, so they may come back this week. For the Dogs, Clem has been named to start after coming off the bench in the last few weeks. Full Lalo is out and Priest is in. Uh, I'm going the Sharks. Sharks. This one is just more going off uh, the cattle there, and they keep finding a way to win their games. Mr. Gossip is also uh, on the Sharks, and they are $1.51 favourites for the Pro Sports Syndicate. Two sixty for the Dogs, minus six the line. Over under 39 and a half. One to 12, $3 for the Sharks, 375 for the Dogs, 13 plus 280 for the Sharks, and $7 for the Doggies. And there you go. All those wrapped up, Boxhead. Mm. Uh, like we said, Pro Sports Syndicate, if there's ever a time to get on board, that link will be up on our page. Massive week in the week just gone by. Massive profit return of 60%. Get on board. All Get their packages, every single one of their packages is now in the green. Uh, if you like the horses, I've looked at the horsemen kind of stuff they've been posting up. They look quite impressive. Something mm. you're interested in as well, Boxhead, the old horses. I love the horses. But, yeah, I had an ordinary weekend, both with rugby league and with the horses, unfortunately. Yeah, well, they had a massive weekend, like I said, 19 bets. Uh, they had 14 winners. Those three lines, uh, like we talked about, but... Just for example, a couple other ones here. They took Penrith with a second-half line, uh, a bit of a random one, but they got that one done. Most metres, they had Tamalolo in a pool with Nofaluma, Thompson, uh, Masters, etc. got that one. First-half handicap on the Gold Coast Titans, got that one. Uh, Manly first-half handicap, highest-scoring half the second half from the St. George game. So uh, some random stuff there, but they're very, very interesting. The main ones... Oh, it's very well thought out. They're full-time gamblers and analysts, but the main ones most weeks, as we recommend and they recommend, are those game lines, and they were three from three on the weekend. So, yeah, yeah, huge weekend, 60% profit, and they're in the green for the year. So total profit for the year so far with them. Different unit uh, outlay, but... Basically, they are in the green now, uh, 3.5% after 145 bets uh, in the green. So hopefully it keeps going that way. Huge weight. Get on board. Look for that link on the page. So thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Thank you to Penrith Solar Center. I mentioned the podcast. Talk to the boys. Save in your back pocket. Save for the future. www.penrithsolarcenter.com.au. Uh, the Poker Deluxe. Mention the podcast as well. Get $100 off your fundraiser and you get it guaranteed $1,000 profit. Talk to Paul and Adam and the boys there. PokerDeluxe.com.au and Wasbrock at Boltmaster. I'm a tradie. Get all your bits and pieces from there. More than just nuts and bolts. Absolutely. NEPBolt.com.au and to our two charity uh, 
sponsors from the luncheon, as we mentioned before, Full Spectrum Services, Western Sydney's leader in pest control, pool fence certification and commercial cleaning. Their service is diverse, but Core Valley's rock solid, amazing people, fantastic service and brilliant outcomes. Contact Mark and the team on 0430 220263, fullspectrumservices.com.au and insignia hair and day 47223503 Penrith, your of 69. Award-winning hairdressers, day spa, beauty salon, massage and nail parlor. Want to spoil yourself, then look no further. Insignia has all bases covered for men and women. Treat yourself or your partner to the works and be spoiled by the team at Insignia. They cover every aspect of beauty and relaxation. Mm. There you go. We are done. Done. Thank God. And the sick man here, get better. Champ, not long now. Origin, around the corner. I think... uh, 22 days. The teams won't be named, is it next week? No, week after. Week after. I reckon we name our team next week. Yeah, we're going to have to. Everybody else is getting in and throwing theirs out there. I want to wait to see if there's no injuries, obviously, this week and putting a mocker on it. But we'll obviously do it before they get released. So next week for everybody out there. will be named on the 28th, I would imagine. Yeah, well, next week's show for everybody, you'll get our New South Wales side and our Queensland side and our reasoning why. So big thank you to all our sponsors. Support them if possible. And big thank you to everyone out there for supporting myself and Brock every week and over the journey here on the Fifth and Last Podcast. We appreciate all your questions, comments, and feedback. Rate, review us on iTunes. The last thing that is left for you to do is enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.